everybody, and welcome back to Season 8 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, Matt Stogden. No such thing as bad sequel, only bad sequelizer. Very <laughs> profound. <laughs> In a way, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Potent. You can Potent fix anything. Words there, Matthew. Arguably. Thank you. <laughs> Speak for yourself. And joining Matthew and I, also as always, Tim Matum. You think this is the end of it, old man? I'm going to open sequelizing studios all over this valley. <laughs> Hell, I might even write for free. From now on, when people say podcasting around here, all they'll mean is sequelizers podcasting. Matt Stogden's podcasting. You won't even be a memory. <laughs> and the Oscar goes too. <laughs> that was great. Oh, God. They're two pretty mysterious quotes, I think. If you Yeah, if... a little bit. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty cryptic hints. I think a few people might have got it, but we'll reveal the film in a bit. I'm sure some of you have already seen the title of the episode, of course, and the fucking artwork, but some of you listen in your cars and maybe you <laughs> haven't seen it yet. So uh, we, we'll reveal it in a moment. But before we get to all of that, before we get to fixing this terrible sequel and discussing the franchise, yeah, franchise as a whole, give a shout out to our patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers, shall we? Because... You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You can get exclusive merch, exclusive bonus outtakes during the interseason episodes and all that kind of stuff as well. You can get loads of cool bonus stuff. You can get early access and ad-free episodes. And if you go to the highest two tiers, you can become an executive producer and get a shout-out on the show, just like these lovely people did. Jonathan Firth-Clark. Man who catch fry with chopstick. Accomplish anything. Mike Salvia. Karate. Here. Karate here. Karate never here. Josh van der Sluis. No such thing, uh, bad student, only bad teacher. Teacher say, student do. Andy Steen. To make honey, young bee need young flower, not all prune. Josh Miles. Win, lose, no matter. You make good fight and respect. Then nobody bother. And the man known as Xenos. Thank you much for your support, gentlemen, and thank you to all the patrons for their support. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, you can go and review us. That's another way of supporting us. That it doesn't cost you any money. You leave us a lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. We'd really, really appreciate any support you can provide us. But let's get into it. We are, in fact, fixing the third in this franchise. Not the last, I will hasten to add. We'll get to that in a moment. It's a, it, it's a bad sequel from 1989, known as The Karate Kid Part 3. And some listeners will be like, ooh, why aren't they fixing the second one? We'll talk about that. Ooh, why aren't they fixing the fourth one? Because no, fuck you, that film's even worse. This one <laughs> and these ones are bad enough. But before we get into the synopses, before we get into actually fixing everything, should we talk about our history with the franchise? The, the 80s, a, a decade I didn't experience <laughs> myself personally, <laughs> but I know very well through pop culture and through things such as The Karate Kid. And... Uh, I guess, Matt, since it's, it's the year of your birth, why don't you tell us about your history with 1984's The Karate Kid 
and its subsequent sequel. Well, I was just a young man growing up in New Jersey, and obviously I knew nothing of California or the ways of karate. And <laughs> wait, by, by young man, <laughs> you mean a twenty-six-year-old? <laughs> Sorry, I was a thirty-five-year-old man, time traveling, but also skinny and small. <laughs> We'll, no, um, we'll, we'll get so, back to time travel, weirdly enough, because there was a pitch oh, for the well. third one that was a time travel movie. Oh my god. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, um, it's literally, very they go back to feudal Japan, yeah. Fucking hell. It fucking is. Back to the so, Future has a lot of sins yeah. to answer for. <laughs> so, essentially, my, my history with the franchise is probably the same for a lot of people in Britain, especially, and probably in America, too. Um, now, in the 80s, England especially didn't look how people think it looked, don't look how it uh, didn't look how it remember, people remember it either. And most importantly, it did not look like America. We were had tons of like, you know, American culture and stuff coming in. So I remember like 80s cartoons and things like that we'd have on, you know, British TV kind of stuff and and um Oh, what's it called? Like Thames Valley sort of stuff. Then, you know, Cosgrove, things like that, for example. You get, you get the companies making Danger Mouse and Count Duckier and all these sorts of bits and pieces that were very English. Um, and then you had Banana Man and shit. And then you had these American things going like G.I. Joe and um, tons of other sort of things you just grow up with. And that's like, oh, and here's He Man, Master of the Universe, all that sort of stuff. And it, it informed you of what was good and what was cool, etc. The Karate Kid as a film is the same principle. And it's a really weird one because it was on TV all the fucking time from what I remember. Now that not, might not be accurate. That might be me misremembering my own past, but it felt like it was always on. Part one and part two specifically, less part three. It was definitely one that, you know, from, from a sort of video rental sort of place, it was a very popular thing to have at parties and stuff. And it gave rise to a huge, huge increase in martial arts. And the uh, that sort of impact was was very important. So for a kid, you knew what Karate Kid was because people would quote it back at you. And they would quote things, probably, let's face it, with a really racist voice, uh, being unoblivious. And it, it's, it wasn't racism in the sense of it being, you know, a f intentionally offensive. It's just the ignorance of children impersonating things they like, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but product of its time. So you'd have people quoting Miyagi all the time and you'd have people trying to perfect the crane kick and smack a kid in the face and kids would get really invested in like, oh, I want to learn how to fight and karate schools started popping up in like community halls all over England. I was told I wasn't allowed to because why would I need to know how to fight? Um, there's more of this in the outtakes. We'll, we'll leave my crimes there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wasn't really allowed to and... I don't know, part, part of, I was very interested in karate. I wanted to do the sort of fighters, but being like an edgy little dickhead, even as a kid, I was like, I want to do something special and different. I want to do something that isn't mm. just karate or something, because everyone's doing karate. Because I thought, if everyone's doing karate, they know how to beat karate. I know, I'll do something that isn't karate. And they were like, oh no, how do I know how to block this? No, you don't. Punch. Um, but the point is, I watched the films a lot as a kid. I, I liked them a lot. I, didn't, I thought they were actually a lot slower than I was expecting as a child. Because obviously it's 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 a family film, but it's not paced as a children's film. So it's not got this mm. very quick, fast pace. Let's get to it. It's a very thought provoking. I mean, if you compare it to like like Goonies, for example, another big '80s film, they have a very different pacing. And I know it's a very different type of film, but one is more of an actual, uh, shall we say, preteen drama kind of thing. Saying more teen drama for a family sort of thing. So 
there's stuff in there I wouldn't have understood so much. There are, there are sort of elements I wouldn't have really cared for too much. Like, I mean, I get the bullying aspect of it. It gets bad, but I can't drive a fucking car. This kid isn't me. That kind of thing. It, didn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't pitching directly to me, but it was still cool because he was a kid who I could effectively grow up to be. So it was a very big cultural hit for me. And then I think by the 2000s, it was cliche. It was old. People weren't talking about it. It was the end of lots of jokes. And it didn't come back for a very long time. People started talking about 2010 with the remake, which could have just been its own thing with Jackie Chan. It would have been fine, but never mind. Um, and then with Cobra Kai, it became a huge nostalgia, huge 30-year cycle. Everyone going, oh, yeah, it's the best fucking show. Um, so my, my personal connection to The Karate Kid is limited, shall I say. It was a really big flash in the pan when I was a kid. And I appreciate the movies to a degree because I think they're very well made, parts of them. Um, but I wouldn't say, oh, fuck, I love The Cry Kid. I'll check that on. What about you, Tim? Because what, what, you're a similar age to me. I wonder if you've got a similar peripheral sort of understanding of it. Like, oh, that's cool. I might get into some karate or something. I have a very different uh, history with The Karate Kid. And like, part of me wonders if it's, if it's just that little extra bit of age difference that makes Possibly. it. Or just growing up kind of in a slightly different area. I can't remember anyone talking about The Karate Kid when I was growing oh, up. Oh, shit. I, my history with the franchise is that I watched all three in the past 24 hours um, wow. for the first time. Wow. To, to clarify, Tim and I are, what, two, two years three apart? Years, two, two years, years apart. apart. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. And I can remember being it, it being a reference that was extant. Uh, and obviously parodied quite a lot on stuff like The Simpsons and things like that. But in I I certainly didn't... Well, I obviously didn't see it when I was growing up. I can't remember friends talking about it. I can't remember it being in anyone's VHS collection. Um, mm. And, yeah, it felt like it possibly got replaced by the Turtles by that point. Yeah. Just that little maybe. extra two years for it to... to because this is a franchise... The like you say, obviously we had the Jackie Chan remake, we had the um, Cobra Kai now, which has kind of given it this new lease of life. But parts one, two, and three happen within a five-year span, um, and then the 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 next Karate Kid, the fourth film, is what ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety four. You know, so I would have been the perfect age to watch that, but I can't even remember that seeing that advertised or talked yeah. about at all. I mean, that one. I, I don't think seeing that, that did well at the cinema. <laughs> no, I remember seeing that and I thinking to myself, this is going to be great. I'm thinking, this is trash. And unfortunately, as a little boy of 10, I was like, it's crap because there's a girl in it now. It ruined it because I was an immature little dickhead. It was a bad film. So yeah, so I have very limited history with it. Like I say, I, ex I experienced it mainly through parodies and stuff and people kind of misquoting, you know, the wax on, wax off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sweep the leg, Johnny, which of course is a, false quote because he never actually says johnny he just says sweep the leg um you know all that kind of stuff uh so it was interesting watching them for the first time because like you say they are a little bit more slower paced it's a slightly because because of the way family films have evolved i think nowadays there's there is that frenetic energy to them that there's always got to be something going on um whereas these are they're pitched at an age, you know, Daniel's 17 when they start, but there's nothing <laughs> gritty. Yes, 17 in air quotes uh, yeah. when they start, but there's nothing 
gritty or teenage about how he behaves. He behaves in a he behaves in a way that is probably accurate to certain 17 year olds because i think media tells us that every teenager is out there doing molly and having sex for wristbands and all that kind of stuff whereas actually there's a lot of immature teenagers who don't Hello. really grow up until their <laughs> 20s um and still kind of talk like 14 year olds when they're 18 and i think it's actually when i was watching the cross kid i was like so what is how old is he meant to be? Is he meant to be like 14 being played by like a 19 year old or something like that? And then I looked it up and it's like, oh no, he's 17 being played by a 22 year old. Um, And because, because Ralph Macho is like we said, he's small, he's skinny. He looks very young, even to like Karate Kid part three, you can tell that he is getting older, but giant beard is the problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the, 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 He's he's gained a little bit of weight and he's got a little bit of a five o'clock shadow at some point. But like, <laughs> he still looks relatively young at that point, you know. And he's twenty seven, playing eighteen, basically. He he was. Bear in mind, he is older than I was when we started this show. Yeah, in Karate Kid Three. Jesus. Yeah. And he's you think hell- about that, like the fact that he's supposed to be playing an eighteen year old, and I was twenty six when we started mm. this show. Mm. <laughs> and you know, we get used to that a little bit. With with Hollywood yeah. of like you know fucking how many films and TV shows can you point out? Look at Riverdale where they're meant to be mm. I think fifteen when that show starts. All beautiful twenty five year old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, and so we get used to that kind of and and it it was because he does actually look like someone of that age, you know. Um, and so that was that that I was relatively surprised by because it did feel like a portrait of a slightly goofy kid of that age who is not very cool who would think that dressing up as a shower for halloween was like a fun costume oh fucking idiot you know <laughs> it's just a, such a terrible uh thing so it was interesting to watch them but uh i have no nostalgia for them uh mm. so i i'm very kind of hopefully coming to this pretty clear-eyed as to their flaws mm. and i don't think part three it's a very steady decline um i don't think mm-hmm. part three is an abomination but there are I agree. there are definitely parts of it where i go like wow this is a lot weaker than the previous films but yeah. it's not it's not like it drops off a cliff or anything mm-hmm. anyway jack as the youngest of us mm. uh with with probably the least nostalgia associated even though i have zero <laughs> um you have negative <laughs> nostalgia uh what, what's your history with them well i actually do have nostalgia because i as matt kind of mentioned i grew up watching these on tv and I remember, I don't particularly remember, it's one of those things, you know, where like, I can't remember whether I saw two or three or what blurred into what, mm. but the first one was a, was a big kind of, I would say staple of my childhood, but it's a film I saw quite a few times and know pretty well from my childhood. Like I said, my, I've said before on the show, my dad is the one who often introduces like genres of films. He, he's big into martial arts movies. He's big into Westerns, mm. big into sci-fi and fantasy. And that's where my love of those genres comes from. And he was like, martial arts films. How do I get my like 10-year-old kid <laughs> into martial arts films? I'm not going to go straight in with like, you know, some classic high-flying Hong Kong stuff or mm. anything like that. It's like, Karate Kid. That's <laughs> the way I do it. So I watched the Karate Kid, the first one, a lot when I was growing up. And uh-huh. I think eventually saw two and three probably later on, sort of 12 or 13, that sort of age range. Um and thought they were fine and never really thought about it. Like, it was never a, oh my God, they're 
they're shit sequels to this classic or anything like that. <laughs> and, and as you said, Tim, I've even rewatching them about a week ago in preparation for this, I was like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're bad. They're not as good as the first one, but they're, they're not terrible. They're not the worst films we fixed on this fucking show, that's for <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you what is the next Karate Kid. Because I've seen, because I, I, spoiler alert, I've seen all five. I've not seen any of Cobra Kai yet, but I've seen all the movies. I fucking hate the next Karate Kid. The Hillary Swank one is a yep. real fucking bad. And yeah, that, that I remember, I think I saw it on like the Disney Channel or whatever the equivalent was back in my day. All right, I, I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the Hillary Swank kind of thing was going on. And then obviously you transition to the, the stars of the Disney Channel and they're all kind mm. of like, you know, mid mm. to late 90s era of the Disney Channel with all the your Timberlakes and your Spears. All grown up as kids and then going off and then yeah before your Hannah Montana's arrive. I thought, arrive I thought you were going to say Tim Blake Nelson there for a second. I, was <laughs> like, oh, I, I wish. I don't remember I the Disney Channel original uh, movie starring Tim Blake Nelson because that'd to be, be fair. Great. My my mum made me watch uh, Brother or Art that when I was pretty young. So yeah. there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice little introduction to Tim Blake Nelson. But yeah, I have quite a lot of nostalgia for the first one. Don't particularly care for any of the sequels, but I think two and three aren't that bad. Whereas four and five, I really really do not like. I can imagine for a lot of people, these three films are one big tangle in their brain. Yes, because I, I, I feel that way about two and three. Yeah, I feel like one one is very distinctive because I've seen it so many times, and it has, like you said, sweep the leg, put him in a body bag, mm. Johnny, and all that kind of stuff. And the other ones like uh, I'm, there is a bit in Japan, I guess. Yeah, was that two was that three? I think. Uh, and there's and then he comes back right. The the other guy comes. We'll get into the synopses, folks. Mm. If you haven't seen them, don't worry. I'm purposefully being vague here because my memory was like, right, the, so the bad guy from the first one kind of comes back at some point. Doesn't he die? I thought he died. I was like, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. We'll get into it. And my brain was like, is that the second one? Is that the third one? Does he come back in the fourth one? That doesn't make any sense. Oh my God. Yeah. Comes I, back I for revenge for on Hillary Swank. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. From my point of view, again, not, I, I should point out, by the time I was watching films, all three had already been released. They were already a thing. By the time I was born, all three were. Yeah. <laughs> it was a case of like, you, you'd be able to watch all three in one go, effectively. And that's why I think you say about people homogenizing it all into one big uh, homunculus thing. But I remember very distinctly, Karai Kid 1, great, I understand this. Karai Kid 2, he goes to Japan. Oh, that's where Miyagi's from. That makes great. sense, Miyagi, yeah. Three, yeah, exactly. he comes back and some more stuff happens. I'm like, I don't care anymore. But this is shit, and I understand. Who's this guy with the ponytail? Fuck this noise. Um, and it it's... It, it, Again, we'll get into the actual critics of sorry, the critique of why it isn't good, um, because I, I actually slightly disagree with Jack. I think three is fucking terrible. Oh um, really? Wow. Yeah, I hate it. Um, I think one is good, uh, as in like a, a really good fun film. Uh, two is a great sequel in my opinion, but also massively flawed and it isn't nearly as good as the first one. Wow. But it is perfectly fine as a natural progression story. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Um, it does things fine good enough three is awful four is fucking terrible the remake is fine i hate the remake i hate jaden smith and it's also the kung, kung fu boy i know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we, we're not talking about that film we won't get into that funnily enough before we get on synopsis i know we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that uh kind of funny one of my favorite podcast uh groups i guess youtubers whatever you want to call them based in san francisco do a in review series where they take particular franchises i've touched on it a couple of times they've covered a couple of the franchises we've covered on here before as well 
they did Karate Kid in review in preparation for Cobra Kai season three coming out. Okay. So they did all the films week by week by week and then did all of Cobra Kai one, two, three seasons in one big kind of review thing. Uh-huh. And they rank them as they go. And they've done they've done a huge MCU thing, which is fascinating as well. So they have mm-hmm. the entire MCU, including the shows, the, the Disney Plus shows are also ranked in there. Oh wow. As well. And then and the Netflix stuff and Agents of Shield as well, or uh no, that that they had they started that after that all that the stuff. The non ABC stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. All all the canon stuff, I want a better phrase. Yeah, um so become back in the game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. Um, but yeah. So they talked about Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3, obviously, and then went through and did the rest of the season. They actually ranked Karate Kid 3 higher than Karate Kid 2. And the way they do that is they right. they vote basically in a similar way that we do for our director showdowns. Oh, yeah, okay. They go around and say, who thinks it's better than Karate Kid? At the moment, Karate Kid, they rank as they go. So Karate mm-hmm. Kid number one is obviously number one. Mm-hmm. Karate Kid 2 is number two. Who here thinks it's better than Karate Kid 2? And if enough people vote to get the majority out of a sure, group of them, makes sense. it lands in number two. And it, it landed at number two. And one of the guys was like, you guys are fucking idiots. You know what <laughs> you're talking about. Which, he was the mat of the, the... Kevin was the mat of Damn the Damn right. And, and a smart dude. The other guys, and the other guys were like, no, no, no. It's so much more fun. Like, there's way more... Oh, that's, that's when you know you've got a problem. Someone's saying something's fun. It's like, well, it's like yeah. you know what's really fun? The room. Fuck your face. <laughs> But yeah, there are people genuinely who think the third one is better than the second one. And I'm not saying I'm one of those people, but I think the second and third ones are both like, yeah, they're they're a bit rubbish, they're fine. That's fair enough. I That's think fine. I think the second one is slower and it has a kind of more contemplative tone throughout a lot of it, which I can imagine mm. a lot of kids not particularly relishing and just sitting there going like, when's he going to do the crane kick again? Um, <laughs> and two uh, uh, sorry, and three is a lot more cartoonish, and so I can imagine to some people that's slightly appealing. Um, mm. But yeah, shall we get into the synopsis? We, we and, should. We uh, should. People might, yes. yeah, need to know what for, they're talking about for, for people who are like me and who have never actually seen them, because uh, I'd imagine <laughs> that there's a lot of people who are like in their twenties who yeah. are like, I don't. We have some pretty young listeners. Yeah. Who... Why? Why would I give a why would I care about these? It's the can I just jump jump straight from the Cobra Cobra Kai and be part of the conversation? Yeah, <laughs> kind of, but you lose a lot of context. Apparently, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, again, again. Have any? No, no, no. I'm, no I'm, I assume Tim hasn't. None of us have seen Cobra Kai. No, so that's going to no. piss off a lot of Cobra Kai fans. <laughs> I, I I now planned having rewatched these recently. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I could give this a go again. Yeah. So my yeah, plan is to, right. is to watch them. Yeah, mm. don't really care. I've heard, I've heard good things. I've just got so many other things on my list. I've heard to very watch. good things. I yeah. hear worrying yeah. things in that the fan base is a little too happy about it, and they get yes. very um religious. They push it. Snidery. The knock of the door, saying, "Have you heard the good news about Cobra Kai?" It's like I'm I'm kind of good right now. You really should watch yeah. it. You should really fuck off. <laughs> I know <laughs> that the guy who plays the villain in the third film is coming back for season four of Cobra Kai, so. That's surprising. Yeah. The question is, is Hillary Swank coming back? <laughs> that'd be Oscar-winning Hillary Swank. That'd be a great get. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm in charge of synopsis for this uh, this episode. So it's a trilogy, Tim. Of course you are. Of course, yes. <laughs> How it works. If you hadn't already noticed, listeners, every time it's a trilogy, it's Tim's role to. We didn't do it on purpose. We promise. <laughs> but 
that ended up ended up breaking down that way. <laughs> yep. 1984's The Karate Kid. 17-year-old, honest, Daniel <laughs> LaRusso. <laughs> Give or take half a decade. Yep. Uh, Daniel LaRusso moves to California from New Jersey with his mother uh, in a weird opening montage where you never see their faces because I guess they didn't want to fly Ralph Macchio to New Jersey to do one shot. Second unit, same as Lord of the Rings. And apparently they couldn't, couldn't get anywhere in California that could pretend to be New Jersey. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, at their new apartment complex, Daniel encounters the eccentric handyman, a Japanese immigrant named Mr. Miyagi. Daniel quickly befriends some of the local teens, including Ali Mills, a cheerleader at his new school. But this angers her arrogant ex-boyfriend, Johnny, who studies karate at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Daniel has several encounters with Johnny and his friends, and on Halloween, after he drenches Johnny with a hose, the group pursues Daniel and brutally beats him until Mr. Miyagi intervenes, easily defeating the group. Daniel asks Mr. Miyagi to train him, but Miyagi declines, instead taking Daniel to the Cobra Kai dojo to try to resolve the situation. That After scene meeting... where Miyagi just beats up the kids is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a great introduction to that character. Miyagi is the standout mm. for me of this entire oh, series. Oh, yeah, sure. easily. Pat Narita's amazing. Yeah. Mm. After meeting the brutal sensei, John Kreese, of the Cobra Kai dojo, uh, who rejects Miyagi's peace offering, Miyagi proposes that Daniel enter a karate tournament where he can compete with Johnny. Kreese agrees, and Miyagi insists that the students leave Daniel alone until then. So he gets a few months off of getting his ass kicked. Yeah, and then we really get to teach you a lesson. Johnny is just the the worst little shit. Oh, Johnny's Johnny's an absolute turd. But you do. He's just a brilliant character, yeah. It's. I can't remember. I think it was an. cracked after hours video where they talk about how like in the 90s bullies would like humiliate kids in films and in the 80s bullies would just straight up try to murder you <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's the stephen king thing of like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you up after school i'm gonna carve my fucking name in your stomach it's like jesus yeah. christ put, put him in a body bag johnny yeah that's the yeah. direct quote like yeah yeah when men were men apparently exactly Daniel's training begins, but mostly consists of menial tasks around a Mr. Miyagi's house. Wax on, wax off, paint the fence, etc. Exactly. When Daniel grows frustrated, Miyagi reveals that the tasks have helped him develop muscle memory for defensive oh. moves. And the training continues. Oh my god, he was Teaching training you him all along, along, you fuck. You ungrateful child. You New Jersey uh, little punk. Uh... <laughs> Later, Daniel comes across a drunk Mr. Miyagi and learns that Miyagi served during World War II and his wife and child both died in a Japanese internment camp due to complications during the birth. Daniel continues training and grows closer to Ali uh, and on his 18th birthday, Mr. Miyagi presents him with a karate gi for the tournament and one of Miyagi's classic cars for him to drive. At the tournament, Daniel surprises everyone by reaching the semi-finals. After Johnny secures his place in the final, Kreese instructs Bobby, one of the other Cobra Kai students, to injure Daniel's knee with an illegal attack. Bobby reluctantly agrees, injuring Daniel and getting himself disqualified in the process. A doctor tells Daniel his injury is too severe for him to continue, but Daniel convinces Miyagi to use his pain suppression technique, allowing him to fight. A little bit of bullshit, oriental <laughs> mysticism. Yep, he yep. does the like. And just like mumbles a bit in Japanese, rubs his hands together, like lays his hands on his knee. Oh, magic. Powerful. Harnessing the chakras and the chi and all that. Yeah. 
bollocks that doesn't exist. <laughs> During the final bout, Daniel scores two points early on. Taking a timeout, Kreese tells Johnny to sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. And despite hesitating, Johnny focuses his, his attacks on Daniel's injured leg, scoring two points in quick succession, as well as making an illegal attack on Daniel's knee. With one point left to decide the match, Daniel assumes the crane stance he saw Mr. Miyagi using as they practiced on the beach, the iconic kick that he does, mm -hmm. uh, and delivers a front kick, winning the tournament. Johnny shows newfound respect for Daniel, presenting him with the trophy himself, and as Daniel is carried off by the crowd, Mr. Miyagi looks on proudly. Get used cool. to that being an ending. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's... That, it's... That is, that, so apparently the original ending was just him carrying off being carried off by the crowd and they added the extra Miyagi like smiling and nodding mm. kind of bit which I think it makes a lot more sense yeah it mm. works they then just use it at the end of every of these fucking movies <laughs> yeah. but, oh Daniel wins he's carried off and Miyagi goes mm, and yes. it ends immediately it's 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 I blame yeah. I blame Rocky for that because mm. Rocky oh, had a whole thing I, where him and Adrian would take I, it out I of the I can't imagine why this would have ties to Rocky <laughs> we'll get into that listeners we'll get into that don't you worry Spoiler alert, there's a lot of ties to Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Karate Kid Part 2, two years later in 1986. The year of your birth, Tim. The year of my birth. God, if they'd only done the third one in 1990 and have all of us there. Yeah. Ticked all of the sequelizers' birthday boxes. Bastards. Yep. We'll find one trilogy that does it. The film begins with a montage of scenes replaying the first film up to Daniel's victory at the tournament. Get used to as that as well, folks, because yes. the other fucking films do that as well. <laughs> as they leave the tournament, Daniel and Miyagi encounter Kreese and witness him assaulting Johnny for failing to win. Miyagi confronts him, immobilising him and preparing to strike a killing blow, but instead simply honks his nose, telling Daniel that such humiliation is worse than death for someone who has no forgiveness in their heart. We cut to six months later, and Daniel arrives at Miyagi's home after his senior prom, having wrecked his car and been dumped by Ali. New film, get rid of the old girlfriend. Another yep. pattern that these films yep. will quickly fall yeah. into. Yeah. He tells Miyagi that his mother is moving to Fresno for work, but Miyagi reveals Daniel's mother has agreed to let Daniel stay with him. What a weird agreement for a mother to do. It's very Their it's relationship the is not quite as weird as Marty and Doc Brown's. I, I was going to bring yeah. that up. And again, they talked about this one kind of funny. It's like, the, yeah. this one kind of makes sense in that he's actually teaching stuff. Whereas yeah. Doc and Marty, it's like, hey, Doc. And he's like, hey, Marty. No explanation of why we know each other. Yeah. Let's just, let's just, it's not like, oh, hey, Doc, you're my science teacher at school. None of that shit. Yeah. Just, and oh, everyone, just, everyone's just actually saying, he's a crazy old man. Stay away from him. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 the Doc's fine. As he's there, the like, doc, building The Doc's fine. He's somewhere bomb. between 40 and 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, again, Christopher Lloyd in that movie is like a, is like Pat Narita, is like, when you're a kid, they are a hundred years old. Yeah. And then Christopher Lloyd was probably like 41 when he did that movie. And you're like, oh God. Quick aside here for a second. I remember in Back to the Future Part 2 where he says, Marty, I've had a, had a lot of procedures done and I'm now not a 60, 70 year old man. And he peels off obviously the makeup. He goes, ah, oh, real fresh, right? And I'm like, he looks the same. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway. Miyagi receives a letter from Okinawa letting him know that his father is dying and the pair decide to travel to Okinawa to visit him. Mr. Miyagi reveals that he left Okinawa because he fell in love with Yuki, who was betrothed to his best friend Sato. Sato challenged Miyagi to a fight to the death, but Miyagi fled to America instead. 
Arriving in Okinawa, the pair are greeted by Chosen, Sato's nephew, who delivers them to Sato under false pretenses. Sato, who has become a wealthy industrialist and has his own dojo, still wants to fight Miyagi, but Miyagi refuses. Sato warns them that once Miyagi has settled his affairs with his father, he will have to face Sato. Arriving at Miyagi's home of Tomi Village, the pair are welcomed by Yuki and her niece Kumiku. I love that they just give Daniel a love interest. Like, oh shit. Um, yeah. Uh, she has a niece. Yes. Uh, Kumiko. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. She is uh, of appropriate age. It will do. <laughs> uh, did it, did, hold on. How old Ralph Macchio? Oh, wait. He's like 25. Um, I mean, she looks young. I'll be fine. I mean, she looks old enough. Shit. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and Miyagi... if I remember correctly, she was. Uh... Oh, she was. She must have been twenty at the time. So you know, she was, yeah, it wasn't she was in her 20s. worrying. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Miyagi reunites with his ailing father, and Yuki reveals that she never married out of her love for Miyagi. And he and Daniel learn that Sato's trawlers have devastated the village's fishing business. Miyagi's father passes away, and Daniel helps him mourn. Miyagi and Yuki begin to rekindle. Uh, Miyagi and Yuki begin to rekindle their relationship while Daniel gets closer to Kumiko. Daniel begins learning the Miyagi family's secret drum technique. Uh, but, but he has God. several clashes with Chosen, who has been conning the villagers. Sato continues to demand a fight with Miyagi, sending Chosen to destroy Miyagi's family dojo. And when Miyagi and Daniel decide to return to America, Sato forces them to stay by threatening to bulldoze the village, which he kind of owns or has the... He's, did he own the, the deeds, deeds or for the rights or something. Yeah, yeah and he's yeah, going to yeah. sell them to some developers or something ridiculous. Yep, exactly. Miyagi finally agrees to a fight on the condition that the deed to the village's land be returned to the villagers, regardless of the outcome. That night, when the fight is due to take place, a typhoon hits the village. Sato's dojo collapses, trapping him, and Miyagi and Daniel rescue him. Daniel then rescues a young girl. And when Chosen refuses from, from to a help, bell tower like it's like a she's, bell she's a watchtower, yeah. It's a watchtower that's the also to... next to electricity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to signal the typhoon. It's like, right, people know there's a typhoon. Get down from the tower. Yeah. The typhoon's you're, been going on for like eight. 20 minutes. Get, <laughs> get down. I, again, I know it's film stuff, but Japanese collectivism, I must ring this bell. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Community. You're totally right, man. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel then rescues a young girl, and when Chosen refuses to help, Sato disowns him, leading to Chosen fleeing in disgrace. I like that twist, by the way. I like the little... Mm. The fact that this the second film is so based on like, the Japanese honour system and stuff, which is yes. Yes. such an integral part of Japanese culture, even to this day, even mm. in the 80s and in even now in the 2020s mm. as we record this, there is still such a clear understanding of dishonourable and honourable deeds mm. and you mm. know, um, respecting your elders and understanding the mm. structural hierarchies in society and all that kind of stuff in Japan. Mm. I love what the second film actually does with that and then yeah. it plays on, and as we'll get to in a second, the way that it kind of twists some of the characters from good to bad and mm. then bad and then good again and you have a kind of... And that resonated the, with me as a kid as well because it's, it's like, it's a bit where he goes, help him! And he's like, oh, and runs off and he's like, oh, you cowardly dick. Daniel's yeah. running in there. He's a good guy. The, it's really clear, clean cut, easy mm, stuff. And they say yeah. coward like a million times. He's, he's a coward. coward. Yes. What sad. a coward you are. You're a coward. Like, Which yeah, is we know a, he's a coward. much better than part three where they just use uh, racial slurs a bunch. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, realizing the error of his ways, Sato asks Miyagi's forgiveness, promising to rebuild the village and relinquishing the deed. He also agrees to hold... Uh, 
He also agrees to host the Obon Festival in uh, his ceremonial castle. But during Kamiko's performance, Chosen returns. He ziplines um, into the castle. This zipline <laughs> is the fucking coolest bit. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Like Shawn Michaels uh, or WrestleMania makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> takes Kamiko hostage and demands to fight Daniel to the death. Because you've got to escalate from high school karate tournament. By the way, we didn't talk about this. Incredibly high production value high school karate tournament. It's <laughs> yeah. like a fucking glowing yeah. sign and like these huge like brackets mm-hmm. that change. It's not like a fucking chalkboard or a whiteboard or whatever. They have these full fucking brackets with printed names that they're actively changing for the like a massive uh, Jack, crowd it's the this. it's the all valley karate sorry tour. sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's no I'm, piddling I'm, high school one this mis- is covers the whole valley it's the whole valley karate tournament. <laughs> yeah exactly and then yeah how do you escalate that fight to the death for some reason you're like yep yeah cool okay yeah <laughs> daniel agrees and the pair fight with chosen avoiding Ka- daniel's crane kick technique oh no what's he gonna do Dodged it. My secret weapon. uh, And slowly overwhelming him. However, Miyagi and the villagers use their drums to remind Daniel of the secret Miyagi technique, and he beats and immobilizes Chosen. He prepares to strike and kill Chosen, who begs for death, but instead, Daniel simply honks his nose. Just like Mr. Miyagi did. Honk, motherfucker. The village celebrates, and Miyagi looks on proudly. Smile. Cut to credits. I I will say this now. I mentioned it earlier. I still obviously really like this film as a thing. As a kid, I preferred Karate Kid 2 to Karate Kid 1. I knew you were going to say that, you fucking weeb. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's just like, this is more interesting to me. I'm learning more about I mean, things. Like, to put, if I, we were fixing, I, I, I can if see we it's structurally fixing, not as good. Yes, if we were fixing 2, I think going and following Miyagi's path into Japan is such an obvious choice for a sequel. It totally makes mm. sense. It is such a, like... What are you gonna do with Daniel? Oh, he's in an, he's in the adults tournament now, I guess. Like who fucking cares? No, follow Miyagi and do mm. something interesting with him because he's the cool character and he's This the is one the kind the of past. sequel I would write. <laughs> yeah, I, that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. This this is a sequelized yeah. sequel already. It's an yeah. interesting take on one of the side characters, one of the mm. lead characters, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, the co- and you get co lead, I would say. Yeah. The more yeah, interesting definitely. one that we all like was not yeah, yes, exactly. rather than just Ralph Macchio just blabbering away. I actually, because I, I was I was running out of time. Uh, I actually watched part three on like one point seven five speed, and that's not wrong. You know, <laughs> lis- listening to Ralph Macchio just chunder <laughs> away. Hey man, what you do with it? Oh man, I've got to punch this board now. Oh man, we, we, well, he, he ends every sentence with man. It's just like oh god. Yeah, he's such like an Italian American in the eighties. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. But a very ac- still do. accurately annoying as an eighteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so nineteen eighty-nine, the Karate Kid Part Three. Once again, we open with a montage showing Daniel's victory at the tournament and Miyagi's defeat of Kreese. Yeah, not 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 a recap of the second film. We go back to the first, like basically like we did with last week's Born. It's, yeah. it's like, the first hey, film. Hey, don't don't forget the first film. Like you could just recap the second film. That's the previous one. No, no, no. we need to recap the first and the second film just in case. <laughs> just the best bit that everyone remembers. That bit, please. Just show me that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the first film and 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 Miyagi embarrassing Crease at the beginning of the second film, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a like we said with the weird born thing. Where it's like okay, so the fourth film is in between the second half <laughs> of the second film and the first bit of the third film, but then it cuts to six months later, right? And it's like, 
why are you recapping the first film? Just just stick to the, it's fine, Karate Kid. You don't have a complicated timeline. It's fine. I like you say that to Ralph Macho. It's fine, Karate Kid. <laughs> Put down your karate. He, he must, he just must be a get kid. That. He must get people just shout, Oi, Karate Kid. He probably and, did oh, until Cobra Kai now doubled down on and, it. And, yeah. Until yeah. he got that moment where he suddenly looked like an adult. <laughs> a couple of years oh. later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Six six months later, Kreese is broke and destitute, having lost all of his students. He visits Terry Silver, Fucking his comrade from the Vietnam War, who helped yeah. found the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, Silver, who is a wealthy and corrupt businessman, vows to help Kreese get revenge, sending him to Tahiti to get some rest. Uh, for some what reason. What a weird choice. Like, yeah, go and have some rest in... Yeah, go have an implied hand job. <laughs> Daniel and Miyagi arrive back in LA from Okinawa and discover that their apartment block is being renovated, leaving Miyagi unemployed and Daniel homeless. Daniel's mother has returned to New Jersey to care for his sick uncle, so Daniel moves in with Miyagi using his college funds to help Mr. Miyagi realise his dream of opening a bonsai shop. We just ignore the fact that Miyagi just has a whole other place where he's staying. Like, <laughs> how has this ever How have you not brought this up before? <laughs> like he was staying with you already in the previous one, yeah. And how do you not mention like, oh, by the way, I have this a whole other like property <laughs> that I not even mentioned. But, but me, I'm gonna be homeless. No, no, no. You already know about the place you've got. You're gonna be fine. Like, <laughs> why is there any tension here whatsoever? And why is his mum just disappeared? Because movies. That's why. Yeah, because yep. she's not important to the plot. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Silver buys up a series of dojos to re-establish the Cobra Kai and hires Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. <laughs> These names! Amazing. Uh, in return for a 50% stake in the dojo. As they renovate the bonsai store, Daniel meets Jessica Andrews, who works in the pottery store across the street. Another lady. Another lady. The uh, Kumiko had, had got accepted to dance school, I think, in Tokyo Correct. or something, yep. and therefore gets yep. left behind. Yep. Uh, so he develops a brief crush on her before discovering she has a boyfriend and the pair agree to remain friends. Just fast forwarding to just really, you should We're just good. accept you're going to live your life in partnership with this old Japanese man. <laughs> yep. Just live your platonic life, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. On Miyagi's advice, Daniel decides not to defend his title. Silver, who has snuck into Miyagi's house, overhears this. He sends Barnes along with his henchmen, Dennis and Snake... <laughs> I love, I Dennis absolutely love that one of them is called Snake, and you're like, oh, cool, a classic henchman name. Yeah, you know they're they're riffing on the Bond thing of them all having like silly names and stuff. Who's the other guy? Dennis. <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> you got Mike, no. Dennis, and Snake, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what well, and which one's the called? threatening one? Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You think like it'd be it'd be like. Snake and like I don't know another serpent like venom and snake or something I mean, cool it's, like it's literally John Terry Mike and Snake isn't it it's exactly. like yeah and Dennis yeah. that's it's, that's five guys down a pub and one of them happens John, to he's Mike, a nickname to work so Terry. badly <laughs> I mean we we don't say Miyagi's first name obviously but like yeah it's Dan Mike Terry what uh, John John Chris. yeah John it's like Dennis ridic ridiculous Dennis and then. Snake. And you're like, wait, why is this guy called Snake? 
Steve, you could just you have to call you Steve. No, I'm Snake. I wish Steve. he did like a like a cobra strike thing. He had like a secret technique that made him the snake guy or something. If I I try to remember which way round they are, because one of them's like, oh, this is this is Dennis. He'll help you train, and then Snake will take care of everything else when he introduces them or something. Because <laughs> he can unhinge his jaw and just yeah. clean up. He, he doesn't whole he doesn't know karate, but man, can that <laughs> motherfucker eat a whole cow? <laughs> I don't know, why do they call you Snake? And he just pulls out a, like an egg and it's like, okay, and goes, oh, and swallows it whole. And you're like, ugh, what the fuck did you do that for? It's like, that's why they call me Snake. Snake. It's like, ugh. Oh, it's it's a crossover with Goldman. It's an it's called Snake because his skin keeps, keeps flaking oh, off. I'm a feeling fucker. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Uh, so um, Silver sends Barnes, along with his henchman Dennis and Snake, to harass Daniel into defending the title but Daniel still refuses, and Barnes departs in a rage. The next day, Silver interrupts Miyagi and Daniel as they train, claiming that Kreese died from a heart attack after losing his students and oh, begging forgiveness hell. for Kreese's actions. And this is the bit where I was like, yeah, he dies, right? I remember yes. him dying. Like, it's, it's all a charade, wait, Just you wait. It's like, it's like something out of Hitchcock. <laughs> Generous. It is. Barnes, Dennis, and Snake! Once again, attempt to threaten Daniel into defending his Mike. title, leading to a brief fight between Barnes and Daniels, uh, Barnes and Daniel, that is broken up by Mister Miyagi. After driving Jessica home, the pair discover the shop has been burgled and a tournament application left in place of all the bonsai trees. <laughs> in an attempt to raise funds for new bonsai trees, Daniel and Jessica climb down a cliff to retrieve a valuable bonsai from Okinawa that Miyagi planted there. Barnes and his goons arrive, stranding Daniel and Jessica halfway down the cliff until Daniel agrees to enter the tournament. And when they reach the top, Barnes breaks the bonsai tree. The, the bonsai on the cliff thing is definitely one of those like, right, we need Daniel to agree to the tournament. Yeah. And Mr. Miyagi has a bonsai shop. <laughs> How do we make those two things Make matter? this plot maths like, cal- so, work out. So what, so what Solve if you put, equation what if you put for one X. of them, like, a really nice expensive one, the unique, sexy, expensive one on a cliff, right? And then they were oh, trapped sexy bonsai tree. had to agree. And it's like, for fuck's sake, like, come on. He's a fucking punk kid from New Jersey. Just say, hey, you. And he's like, hey, don't call me that. Nah. And he just gets, he just hot headed and he gets in the fucking tournament. That's how yeah. it works. That's how it fucking uh, worked in fucking Back to the Future. <laughs> Every other fucking thing. It's like, also, hey, I bet you couldn't do it. Oh, motherfucker, we'll see about that. <laughs> also, he's clearly pretty. Sh- he, Daniel's a bit of a himbo. Oh, like a, just just stand stand on the street with a bit of paper and say, "Hey, do you sign here to support like not killing kittens?" And you'd be like, "Oh yeah, okay." It's like surprise, motherfucker! You're in a tournament now. <laughs> what? Oh no! I better train. Oh no, man! <laughs> Runs away. <laughs> Didn't sign uh, shit. Just literally say he could have said, yeah. "What an idiot!" Yeah. What an idiot! Well, spoiler anyway, alert! In like arrive- two sentences time, <laughs> that is essentially what happens. And Miyagi is like, "You <laughs> just signed the paper, Daniel son," and he's like. Yeah, I've got to do it though. It's like, do you though? You just <laughs> signed a bit of paper. It doesn't matter. It's a legal document. Yeah. Spoilers. It's fine, Mr. Miyagi. I know all about it. No, you are <laughs> stupid. <laughs> they arrive Buck back. <laughs> they arrive back at the store to find that Miyagi has sold his truck to buy new bonsai trees, solving the problem that they had just gone to try and solve. As Miyagi attempts to fix the broken tree. Uh, Daniel reveals he has signed up for the tournament, but Miyagi tells him he will not train him to fight for it. Silver manipulates Daniel into training with him, 
pushing him to develop a brutal style that results in Daniel injuring himself several times and increasing the distance between Daniel and Miyagi. Silver pays a man to provoke a fight with Daniel when he and Jessica are at a nightclub, and Daniel shocks Jessica and himself with his violent response, breaking a dude's nose. Uh, shocked <laughs> yeah. to his senses, he apologises to Jessica and Miyagi. Daniel visits Silver to back out of the tournament, but Silver reveals his true plans, it basically cackling and whipping a cape mm -hmm. around as he does, uh, <laughs> with Barnes and Crease arriving and preventing Daniel from leaving. Crease just like appears out of a cupboard somewhere he, and is like, he, ah he jumps he out from behind a cardboard cutout of his set of himself. Yes, yes. he does. He goes, yeah. yeah. It's like he's taking like as if someone's just fisted him and he's like, it's like Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude. What is Reece, wrong with he's you? Running in having just done a big bump of cocaine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. nineteen eighty nine. Miyagi arrives defeating Crease, Silver and Barnes and agrees to train Daniel for the tournament. The pair replant the bonsai tree, which Miyagi has like, managed to heal. Why doesn't Miyagi just sign up for this fucking tournament? Yeah. Just, just, just chuck him in there. The, why the ages just... don't matter. We've got a bunch of 30-year-olds fighting teenagers. <laughs> why doesn't someone just buy a gun? <laughs> <laughs> it's America in the 80s. <laughs> they must all have guns, right? I will fight you uh, in the tournament. I'm going to shoot you for being in my fucking it, house. It would, it would <laughs> be like, the Indiana what? Jones bit where they like square out each other yes. and do all the catters and stuff. He's like, oh. Just, <laughs> clack, clack, away. motherfucker. <laughs> At the tournament, Barnes and Daniel reach the final round. Silver and Grease tell Barnes to inflict as much damage as he can on Daniel while keeping the score a tie and then beat him during the sudden death period. Yeah. Barnes dominates the fight, taunting Daniel and badly injuring him to the point where he wants to quit, but Miyagi tells familiar. him that his best karate is still inside him. Uh. So he goes to the toilet to retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> the scroll, Mr. Miyagi! It's here! <laughs> With the fight in sudden death, Daniel performs his kata exercises, which for some reason confuses Barnes. Urged on by Crease and Silver, Barnes lunges towards Daniel, who flips him and strikes his chest, winning the tournament. As Daniel and Miyagi celebrate their victory, the crowd throws their Cobra Kai t-shirts on the ground in disgust, and then just Mr. Miyagi looks on proudly. Ends. The end. Miyagi smiles. I don't understand how I could say it's yeah. better than two. It's so convoluted for no reason. It's <laughs> such bullshit. There's a lot of needless stuff in there, and I mean... Fucking like obviously John Kreese is kind of a cartoon villain in oh, the yeah. first one. As he's is... how a child sees an adult as a bad guy because like yeah, oh, he wants to. It's a Scooby Doo yeah. villain in a way. And Johnny is like the archetype bully in the eighties. Like with John Kreese oh, being yeah, absolutely the the badass, horrible, fucking abusive character. You have Johnny who's just like the worst kid, but he's got the background of abuse and stuff, which doesn't justify it. But then you can see the kind of the connection between the two of them there. So I think, I, th I believe, and again, people who have seen Cobra Kai, apparently that's what it plays on. Yeah, you can totally under, like you, Johnny is an asshole, uh, and then you see a bit of Crease and you go, ah, I understand why he's an asshole. Um, and then at the end, you actually kind of feel sorry for Johnny, especially at the beginning of the second one. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously Sato, like, is a very different kind of antagonist and, you know, it's much more to do with honour. Fucking Terry Silver is just a cartoon character. He's like 
sitting in bubble bath as he tells his secretary how he's going to bribe us like grand jury investigation into the fact that he's dumping pollution into I was about Burma to say yeah something. he's in like and he has the generic bad guy evil job of like I dispose toxic waste you're like that's yes. not an entire industry what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> not like that's just a thing a bad guy does in cartoons that's a, that's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles villain is what he's, that is I mean he's, he's, he's a fucking Captain Planet ooze. villain yes yeah <laughs> Captain Planet is a good example as well. right down to the like shitty ponytail and he's just he's so <laughs> cartoonish in his and, and the like aha i shall trick this boy into becoming my student he's he's basically he's a he's captain planet villain meets the emperor from star wars <laughs> meets kind of like i don't know like um a, just a, a wall street asshole <laughs> he's he's so cartoonish it's terrible yeah, it's it's weird because John Kreese, at the end of the day, it, it's the, the cycles of abuse, you know, and it doesn't. I don't think the film really understands what it's doing. It tries to say like he's like this because he's had a hard life, but you know, from a from a contemporary perspective, you're like, oh no, I can see what this is. This guy fought in Vietnam, mm. has a real issue with it, not necessarily PTSD as such, but he has real chip on his shoulder problems about the whole thing. He is very much a I won't say a damaged individual, but he's got his his perspectives are so fucked up because he's been in in a war, mm. and he is unfortunately no one's been there for him, so he becomes this awful, starts this cycle of abuse for young kids and keeps going on. He thinks he's doing best mm. for them and blah blah blah. And Johnny's the same thing, except Johnny turns around really fast from being a dickhead. I mean, it, it's it, it, genuinely the end of Karate Kid Part One. It's blink and you miss it, where he goes, <laughs> "Yes, you're you, man." It's like, oh shit! It, he he turns around quickly. You're he went not from that bad, trying to Russo. cripple and kill Daniel. To being yes. like, hey, have the trophy. You're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas Terry Silver is this really strange. He would be more at home in a RoboCop film, where mm. he's just so cackling, so silly, <laughs> yes. so stupid, and it would fit that universe because it's just so excessively over the top. But in this one, he he he's just nonsense. And as I said before, the villains, Crease kind of makes it. And I think there's a story. Uh, there is a story for Crease there that's going to be interesting. I think, but it's just not mm. told here. Um, and again, Cobra Kai will probably pick that up, that on up quite easily. And the same thing with Johnny. There's 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 a lot of loose ends that go nowhere. Unfortunately, with these movies, each one is its own unique installment that just says, "You remember the crane kick at the end of the first one?" And then just tries to take it from there. Now, I I, I think, from my personal opinion. Two is interesting. Two does a much better thing in terms of what it does. Yeah, there are problems with it. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a flawed sequel, but it's not the worst sequel, certainly. The third one is baffling to me. It's genuinely confusing because it, it escalates things to, right, um, we've learned nothing from Japan. Um, I haven't changed. <laughs> I've come back and everything is exactly the same. Except, oh, you know, the house situation. But, you know, I mean, the status quo of he's still, he's still Danny and Miyagi going on fun adventures. Um, and the bad guys, you know, are still this, it, again, it's, it's elements of the first and second. It's like, oh, it's about people buying up land. And it's, a, it's, such, a, it's such a strange thing for a kid to identify with. As I said, I understood as a child the second film. I understood it because it was made clear to me that he's being a dick. And the honorific nature of it all and the respect, that made sense. This the guy who fucking melts his fucking enemies in barrels of toxic waste or whatever it is, and a guy who's dead but not dead, ah, I'm back again. Um, and look, it's the exact same fucking tournament hall again. It, it, I get it. 
but it didn't, it felt like it was just, there's so much fucking bullshit trickery and just general fuckery going on. And you think to yourself, where, where, where are we going with this? What are we trying to say with this film? And it's and most important, this is the key point here. We talked about this all in the Bourne thing. What is your motivation? Crease, I guess, revenge. Really weird revenge, because again, if he's that fucking unhinged, I assume he'd do something awful, but the, you know, it's a family film, so they won't let him. I don't get Terry. I don't get Terry at all. <laughs> and Terry's well, he's, the one to make work. He just he doesn't make sense. His plot, it makes zero sense. Like he, he signs onto this because he apparently is like, Kreese saved his life in Vietnam and was his, and you know, he helped set up the Cobra Kai dojo. Big plot point in the 80s. There was a lot of those sort of films. Lethal Weapon does yeah. the same thing. That's, that's fine, yeah. yeah. Um, but he then, like, he, he literally says to his assistants where he's like, I don't want to hear any more about business this month. I'm dedicated to revenge. Like, <laughs> and, and so he buys up a bunch of dojos to relaunch the Cobra Kai. And so he wants to win the tournament to kind of establish them as, as the victors. But then he also gives half of the stake in them away to karate's bad boy mark barnes um <laughs> seemingly kind of on a whim like why would you just not like this guy That's bad like, business <laughs> to be fighting in this tournament this guy can't be that old why would you not just be like no i'm just going to give you a bunch of money not i have not half of my future business um and so and and gives it away to him and then like yeah i can't understand why why he is so like determined to fucking ruin Mr. Miyagi. It would kind of make sense if it was Crease. If it turned out like, oh, exactly. Crease is actually really wealthy and now he's he's got this, because we've seen that he's this kind of damaged individual who like, you know, is is really fucked up, has a fucked up view of the world. But like having then Terry Silver be this like one step removed from that and, and getting rid of, like Crease basically plays no role in this film. He's angry. He goes to see Terry. Terry tells him to go to Tahiti. He then <laughs> vanishes from the film until he jumps out in like the final 25 minutes to yes, be like, yes. ha ha, bet you thought you'd seen the last of me, bitch. Um, and then, <laughs> and then he's just, he's just Terry's little cackling like henchman there. He's salacious crumb. <laughs> yeah, just on his shoulder going, ha ha, yeah, yeah, beat him up. It, it's um, weird because it doesn't it doesn't help matters that we as the audience know everything that's happening. There's there's no subterfuge like, oh shit, is Terry on his side? Is Terry a good guy? Is he all right? Mm. Is he everything he appears to be? Is it not what we expect? Hmm. Yeah. We know he's an asshole from minute one, which yeah. makes fucking Ralph Macho's character even more stupid and annoying. Yeah. And we're like, and, God damn, man. And also, like we said, like the uh, so fucking daniel gets tricked into taking part in the tournament <laughs> then goes to then then realizes oh i've got take i'm touch i'm in touch with the dark side of karate now because i broke that guy's nose i'm gonna make up with miyagi and jessica i'm gonna go and get out of the tournament and then goes oh and then then silver's plans are revealed and he sees that barnes and crease are working with him mr miyagi arrives beats them all up and then goes Yes, you should take part in that tournament now. It's like, why? <laughs> for, yeah. Like, are you getting revenge on them? Like, why? I thought because I'm was, sick of doing your fights for you. <laughs> I thought that was against the whole. Like, yeah, Miyagi has a very like. I don't fight unless I have to. Like, the point of learning karate is not to fight. It's mm. it's to not fight. You know, the 
the whole final confrontation makes no sense why Daniel and Miyagi would even take part in it because they have nothing to gain from it. Yeah, entirely, it's, entirely. it's a it's a very stupid plot. And that's the problem. I think the, the, the key phrasing from what Jack said earlier about people reassessing and saying, oh, it's a fun movie because it's cackling bad guys, silly stuff, and it's faster paced to a degree at certain points. But it's so over the top silly. You can watch it as a 30 something year old man or woman and go... <laughs> God, this is fucking 80s as shit. This is so stupid. And enjoy it to that degree. But it's bad. It's structurally really bad. It's it's delivered bad. It's shot badly. Um, and, and it's frustrating because it's the same fucking director. So it's like, <laughs> how how is this such a failure? And that is the tie back to Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Come full circle. It's Rocky o'clock. It's Rocky o'clock. <laughs> Did you know? That the music in Karate Kid was originally for Rocky. And the music in Rocky, like Flying High and Eye of the Tiger mm-hmm, and all that mm-hmm. stuff, is supposed to be for Karate Kid. And uh, You're the Best and Glory of Love were originally supposed to be for Rocky. And can I just say, Glory of Love from Karate Kid 2 is a fucking banger. What an <laughs> 80s ballad that song is. Good Lord. So, so yeah, Glory of Love, great song. This is probably going to get me some some... Insults oh, on the, shit, on the discourse, on the discourse, on the Discord, uh, and elsewhere for people who hear this. But you're the best around. Not a good song. I hate that song. It's not. It's a bad. It's a badly structured, badly performed song. And the only bit that people remember is that little bit of going, "You're the best around." And the rest of the song is total, total garbage. I agree, actually. I totally agree with you. Yay! Yay! Three for three. Glory of Love is a banger. You're <laughs> yep. the best is is crap. Yeah. Yep. yep. Agreed. Uh yeah, so so Jack, carry on with the we, we very quickly sidetracked off of Rocky there, but there's much <laughs> yes. more there's much more to get there's into. Tons there. of it. Yeah, not to spend too much time on this. I know we're we're running up pretty close to we've you know, we're about an hour now. Um there are a lot of connections between these films in the fact that it's kind of just Rocky redone again, <laughs> but with karate and kids instead of... And, and even Rocky has a bit more nuance to it. Like, Rocky loses. Yeah. that That's an interesting bit. It's not the obvious choice. Rocky's whereas, a masterpiece. Because, yeah, well, the first Rocky absolutely is a masterpiece. These films are made for, like... Because it's for the, a different audience. It, these, are, these are, like... It's sure. basically Rocky for kids, almost. Like, yeah. It totally Daniel, is. Daniel's, Daniel's going to win at the end. And as we said, the crowd celebrates and Mr. Miyagi smiles and nods approvingly every single time. There's going to be a freeze frame. Whereas Rocky, as I just said, spoiler alert for like a 45-year-old movie or whatever the fuck it is <laughs> at this point, he loses in the first one. And, and I remember watching that for the first time, having known, again, known Rocky from pop culture stuff. Nobody talks about that. Everybody well, talks about fucking Clubber Lang and, yeah. mm. and, and you know, uh, Apollo Creed dying and all this kind of stuff. And, like, um, <laughs> and you know, going on to like Dolph Lundgren and, and the fourth one and Drago and all that kind of shit. And like, but the f- talk about the first movie, you morons. The first one's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I don't think the first Karate Kid is quite a masterpiece, but it is basically Rocky for kids. And it does a really good job of telling a straightforward story. Yeah. And, Surprise, surprise, it's the same bloody director. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, Matt, it's so bizarre that Avilton, uh, John G. Avilton, who is the director of all three of these Karate Kid movies, mm. as well as Rocky, 
and Rocky Five because <laughs> yeah. the best and the worst. It's the yeah one of the best films like ever made. I would argue, and Rocky, Rocky sure, is a masterpiece, sure. and Rocky Five is a big stinking pile of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know like, in a previous episode I, I defended it, saying like it's fine when you watch it as a whole thing. I know it's not a good film. I just don't care. But it, it is it's not a good film. Rocky Five is is bad. It's it's fascinating that the same guy directed all three of these films to me. It feels like the obvious thing would be like, well, obviously you bring back we've done this so many times before. Bring back the mm. first director. I did it in my fucking Bourne film we just did last week. Mm. Where it's like, well, I'm bringing Greengrass back. Granted, we know it didn't work in real life, but <laughs> I, whatever. But like that's such an obvious choice of like, yeah, you bring back what worked in the first one or even the second one in this case. Like whatever. He directed the first one. It's great. Bring him back. Like, no, he was there the whole time. Like, what do you mean he was there the whole time? <laughs> How is it possibly the same team behind all three of these films and they just get worse and worse and worse? And the same thing with Rocky. Like, how is the same guy who directed Rocky 1 the same guy who directed Rocky 5? It's yeah. bizarre to me. Av- Avildsen's career just doesn't make any sense to me. I-, I think there is a kind of sense to it in that when you have a really like original idea, you want the original creator and as many of the people involved in it to stick with it as long as possible because they have the keys to it. But both Rocky and The Karate Kid are such basic stories. Like, ah, uh, underdog decides to train for contest, trains really hard, faces adversity, and then comes out on top or has moral victory at the end of it kind of thing. Like, that's such a simple story that, sometimes you just you need an injection of new blood each time to to bring a different approach to it because there's only so many ways you can tell that story yeah. and i think that's the fundamental thing that comes back to to part 3 as well as being a cartoon it's just like you're just telling the same story as the first the one, one. Yep. and yep. and there's no, the the things that you're bringing in are so there there's nothing interesting about them and they're so it just feels like you're treading the same ground over and over again and you've just worn your way down to like it's it's like the the footprint that you're making has got more and more squidged out and it, cartoonish it almost as feels you go. like the, the star wars sequel trilogy compared to the original trilogy like yeah force awakens i really like force awakens mm. it's, it's basically a new hope though you know that right it's like yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> sure, sure sure and then you know we won't get into that debate because the yeah. world will be here forever but you'll get that kind of but right, they're just doing the same thing like yeah, mm. but it's a lot of fun. Like, is it though? <laughs> when you when you really look at it, isn't it just the first one? Just everything is worse. Mike Barnes, Karate's bad boy, is just a less interesting version of Johnny. Yeah, Crease basically doesn't do anything, as you said, Tim. In the third one, he just pops out from a fucking cardboard cutout for no reason. <laughs> where he is genuinely terrifying. Like as a oh, teenager yeah. watching that, seeing like, oh fucking, he's a really scary PE teacher mm. or gym teacher or whatever. Like. You see people like that who are absolute assholes to kids and who drive them through these things, whether it's like, you know, take like Whiplash, for example. Like, mm, you get music, yeah. music teachers that do Jesus. that as well. Mm. Or people putting their kids through like beauty pageants and all this kind of mm. bullshit. Those, those pageant moms. Sports people, tennis people. Uh, and yeah, sports mums and dads and that kind fucking, of stuff that force us upon these kids. Yeah, St- pushy parents for like... I can look at what happened to Michael Jackson and all that shit. Jesus, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, uh, like, that's another thing is that fucking Karate's bad boy Mike Barnes. I will always refer to him as such. Um, <laughs> please, please, his full title, <laughs> please, always. Yeah. Please, please. He he has no emotional connection to the story. He's only doing it because he's being paid to. Yep. Like Crease obviously does, and 
Terry Silver kind of does because he's crease. He likes crease. Um, <laughs> but neither of those are the people actually fighting Daniel. Like at least in the mm. first film, Johnny like he is an asshole, but you know he's jealous of Daniel because it's yeah. you know it's the, the it's the jealous ex boyfriend thing. True. Like everything in part three is just a worse version of part one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, entirely, yeah, pretty much. Or for retread. If you want to avoid your uh, village being bulldozed, you're gonna need some money. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. We've been with them for a while. They're really good and um, we have have no complaints. Um, That's podgo.co. So P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Pay us money for you getting paid money. Yeah. You get, but you get, everyone gets money. Terry gets it. So before we get to fixing Karate Kid Part 3, let's talk about some Rotten Tomatoes, shall we, gentlemen? Because it's interesting. And there's a little twist I've got on the end there. We're only going to do three of them. Don't worry. I'm not going to do all five. We'll ignore. I'll give you a clue. <laughs> Number four is fucking terrible and it's got like seven <laughs> percent or something like that it, it's wow. real bad let's start with you the, the first trilogy and then i'll ask my little sneaky tim dark horse question at the end as well so matthew yes since uh you are the one fixing this one there you go listeners there's a little future spoiler for you mm-hmm. what do you think for karate kid number one 93 Wow. Straight in at 93. I think it's, it was very big at the time, really popular. I think with Cobra Kai, there are a lot of like reviews going back saying, this is the best film ever. Kids these days don't even understand about it, is my guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tim. 84. Same as the year it came Interesting. out. That sounds probably quite accurate. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Part two then, gentlemen. I'll give you a clue. There is a drop-off. <laughs> How much is the question? I'm going to say 62%. I'm thinking a a 22% drop-off. Now, here's the thing. I like Karate Kid 2, and as a child, preferred it to Karate Kid 1. However, I think if the number in my head was very, very, very close to Tim, so I'm going to stick with it just to go be true to myself. I think it's lower. I think it's like 60, maybe 59. let's Let's say 60. I'd like it to not be, but I think it will. So your, your price is writing, Tim, and just going a little, a little bit, yes, yeah, a little bit, case. yeah, just in case. But that was the number in my head. Ninety-nine cents on the end there. That was my number in my head. Yeah. And I thought I, I got to go with that. Unless it's like last time, and 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 it's right in 61. between. <laughs> yeah, it could yes. be sixty-one. Who knows? Could be, could be. And last of all, for us in this trilogy, Karate Kid Part Three from nineteen eighty-nine. I mean, I fucking hate it, and I don't think yeah. critics would liked it. And I remember it made. Like nobody happy, so I, 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 everything in me wants to say ten, um, and really lowball it because I, I hate this fucking film. So go for it, man. Fuck it, yeah, be bold. T- fuck it, ten. I don't think it's quite that bad, but I do think it's it's notably less. I'm going to say thirty six percent. That also sounds probably what it will actually be. Yeah, I think Tim's going to sweep this, sweep it like a leg. <laughs> in fact, no one has swept the leg. Oh, or have they? Oh, <laughs> let me let me just check. <laughs> let me just oh, do no, my wait. maths. Wait a minute, I did the maths. Hold on. There was a sweep. Ooh. <laughs> Which of us is still on Teasing our feet? Us. 
by 1%, Matt is closer on Karate Kid 1. Oh, shit! He is, in fact, 89%. Again, right bang in the middle there. Get that. But 93 to 84, 89 Mm. is ever so slightly closer. Mm. This is where things get interesting. Okay. Karate Kid Part 2. Yeah. Timmy said 62. Matt, you said 60. Yeah. You're both quite far off with... 45. Fuck off. Ooh, holy shit. That's bullshit. That's that's too low. <laughs> Part three. Yeah. You're not far off. It's 13. One yes. percent. That's what that's what part that's three. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can accept <laughs> 40, Matt excited about the wrong tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. As, as anyone's like new to so like these don't seem accurate, and they Google it. These are also different to what they're mm. saying. It's like, yeah, go back to the other episodes. We'll explain it there. But not in here. Here I just, here I just like, I'm happy. Ish. As is often the case, Tim is a man of the people. Matt is a film critic. If an audience <laughs> score, Tim would have won. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, with an audience score of 82 for the first one, 51 for part two, and then 34 for part three. Which I think makes a bit more sense, but you know, whatever. Sure, sure. My, like I said, uh, just just for funsies, uh, the next Karate Kid has a seven percent oh, wow. on Rotten Ooh. Tomatoes. I'm, I'm not gonna lie; yeah. if I had to guess it. I might. I would probably would have guessed an egg. Yeah, a, a zero. Well, point. funny you should mention that, Matthew, because we mentioned our our dear old pal John G. Avildsen. Hmm. He has, uh, he has an egg to his name. Despite the fact he directed Rocky and Karate <laughs> yeah. Kid, um, any ideas what his egg might be? I'm guessing Tim probably might not have even heard of this film, but Matt is a fucking savant, so he might have done. <laughs> well, I was going to um, say, is it something we actually know about? I've never heard of it, but that doesn't say much. Okay. It's a film from 1999. Oh, then I do know it. That that helps. Yeah, it's his last film, Go isn't on, it? Jean Claude um, Van Damme. Uh well, there is another thing listed here, but yes. Oh, well, okay. I, in that case, I, I'm going to say if it's if it's 99, uh, yeah, you you are correct. Whatever. You, yeah, the the Van Damme, the Van Damme is, is the uh, one I got listed in, here. Infernal or something like that. Inferno. Uh, Inferno. Desert Heat. Desert Heat. Desert Heat in 1999 is a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wait, yes, that's right. It had two titles, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It, it, it did. One of those motherfuckers. Um, there is a thing he's an executive producer on and also he's credited as director for a film called Coyote Moon also mm-hmm. in 1999 mm. which doesn't have a page on Rotten Tomatoes and doesn't have a score on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> so I don't know if I doubt that counts but interestingly enough obviously Karate Kid with 89 as I said mm. Rocky is also very high Rocky with a probably you know Absolute classic, as we said. Bit of a mm. masterpiece with mm-hmm. a 92%. So Makes I think sense. John G. Avildsen fits in the, as we touched upon before, the mm. analyze that of Robert De Niro's <laughs> highs and lows of a career. <laughs> and even his description on Rotten Tomatoes is, few directors experienced career highs and lows like filmmaker John G. Avildsen, <laughs> whose resume include two of the most popular films ever made in Rocky in 1976 mm. and The Karate Kid in 1984, as well as his more than fair share of critical misfires and box office failures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola is another one who's like, 
you know, he makes some good stuff, like some of the best fucking stuff, obviously my favorite stuff. And then just some shit, just some, just some fucking <laughs> yeah. Jack. Uh, yep. Not Jack Chambers, obviously, the, the 1996 film with Robin Williams. But anyway. Inter- interesting, interesting enough, again, without guessing, last little bit of uh, Rotten sure. Tomatoes stuff before we move on to actually fixing the fucking movie. The Karate Kid from 2010. Oh, Kung Fu Boy. Mm. Is the Kung Fu Boy, starring Jaden Smith and <laughs> Jackie Chan, is the second highest rated film in the franchise with 66%. See, I would have guessed that because that film is fine. <laughs> the film I is feel like, fine. I just hate Jaden. It's fine. You can I, I feel like if you have yeah. Jackie Chan on board, you have a certain level of quality yeah. that you're going to hit automatically it, just it because. It yeah. doesn't yeah. need to be. It, first of all, it shouldn't be called the Karate Kid. We all know this. Uh, secondly, it, if just just call it anything else and we've gone, ah, oh, it's kind of like the Karate Kid, that would have been fine. But the fact is that. I don't know. They're, they're, let's not talk about that bullshit. Because I actually don't mind it, but you have to really distance yourself. It's like any ad, like uh, Constantine being an adaptation of Hell, Hellblazer. Hellblazer, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the idea yeah. that it's like, that's not the same thing anymore. We've moved on. This is something very, very different. Um, they yeah. coexist differently. But let's, let's fix the Karate Kid Part 3, because I want to see it six feet under. I want to see it in a body bag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're not going to fix it, Matthew. You I just wrote the word body bag. I'm sorry. So, I just copy and pasted it over and over again. <laughs> over to you. Body bag, Johnny. Body bag, Johnny. Body bag, Johnny. <laughs> New character called Body Bag Johnny. And his friend Gary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> naming is terrible. Okay. So, first things first. I am calling this film The Karate Kid Part 3. That's Make, it. Makes sense. It makes There's sense. No need for clunky subtitles or anything. No bollocks. And, yep. Yep. I'm releasing it in 1989. Okay. Sure. Makes sense. Yep. I'm keeping John G. Avildsen. Ooh, Again. interesting. I feel yeah, like if he's got a right script, he can make it work. I don't think there's... It, he, nothing... he has done before? Yeah. I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. My, my inkling when, when looking at this one, I know we talked about this very much in Starship Troopers, Yeah. when Tim was like, Doug Lyman, I was like, oh yeah, I'd really get the mm, edge of mm, tomorrow mm. guy. Whoever that guy was. I can't remember his Fuck me, Tim just mm. did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I had to think about who I would get for Karate Kid Trio. Like if I was doing this pitch, yeah, I was like, the obvious choice is bring back John G. Hamilton. And honestly, nobody instantly sprung to mind. You know there the was nobody that was like Ron Howard. Really? <laughs> oh god, safe pair of hands, Ron Howard. Ah, the safe pair of hands. Yeah, that's what we need. Safe hands, Howard. It's not a terrible choice. No, it's yeah. it's fine, but I don't need it. Uh, John Ab Javelson with the right script can do it fine, cool. in my opinion. Yep, yep. Uh, returning cast: Daniel Larusso, played by Ralph Macho, Mr. Miyagi, played by Pat Morita, uh, Johnny Lawrence, played by ah, Johnny Zapka, and uh, old Billy Zapka. Martin Cove plays. John Kreese. Makes sense. Makes I've sense. actually put the wrong way around on this thing. I don't know why. Yeah, I was like, who, which character is Martin Cove? Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Martin Kreese. I mean, there we go. I have three new members of cast. Okay. Oh, you're doing a me when you have a very small new cast. Very small. <laughs> this thing is going to, I sent these guys a message beforehand with a bit of a teaser just saying, this is the most straight laced 80s shit. This is just, <laughs> I have, and the thing is, I, no, I'll get to that in a second. I'll tell you who I'm bringing in first. Yep. I'm bringing in... The... The bad boy of karate. 
Mike, <laughs> played by Sean Cannon from the Karate Kid Part 3. <laughs> the original. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. How can Again, I not? Like we said, his, his performance isn't the problem. Nope. I am bringing in, in the role of Bruno, Ralph Muller. Mm who has been in uh, Cyborg at this point. He goes on to be in Universal Soldier and Gladiator. He's just a tall, um, muscly yeah. motherfucker. Very the, chiseled. The big... Yeah. Is he German? With the name Müller probably is. Yeah, I think he actually is German, yeah. yes. He's, German speaking, He's at least, wider yeah. and taller than Schwarzenegger. He's crazy. And he's the he's the right. instructor in Gladiator, basically, like, you know, in, when he's like... Um, when Maximus first goes into the arena, as it were. Mm, training yeah, yeah. the gladiators and stuff. But he's very he imposing. German. Very eighties dude. He's he's a bodybuilder. Oh, yes. He's literally yeah, a bodybuilder. Yeah. But yeah, and he has that Germanic sort of um deep voice and presence and things like that. And in the eighties was like, yeah. ah, a bad guy. <laughs> and in the role of Miss Nakamura, Etsuko Shihomi. Now mm. some people will know his name, some people will not. There is a group of films called Sister Street Fighter starring let's go and she retired technically in 1987 but I mean retired retired young and I think we're going to bring her out for one film I think it's more than possible it's two years later it's Karate Kid it's a bunch of money it's flown out to America (laughs) to do stuff I think she wouldn't have a problem doing it basically Um, she's a big sort of you know uh, martial artist sort of star and she was huge and then just Stopped. Not for like, like you know, terrible reasons, nothing bad. It wasn't she's like, I'm kind of good now. I've done my thing. As far as we were all aware thus far. I think bringing her in literally a year, and I just want to point out, although she stopped making films in 87 in Japan, we would be shooting this in 88. So it's not that unreasonable to say mm, one more film. Yeah, that's fair. I, it's not that I'm saying like yeah. five years time, like, oh, we can get it back again. I think it's quite reasonable yeah. to say this. And like you said, she retired young. <clears throat> so it's not like Yeah, she's not like a fucking her. ancient individual. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. She's, she's insanely yeah. talented and very fucking cool. Right, now, my pitch. Um, I have made something that I feel continues the format of what's come before. Now, as said before, if this was me fixing Karate Kid Part 2, it would be minimal tweaks to make it better. That's all I would do. But I would fix in Karate Kid Part 3. And subsequently, I... Much of the same we've had on previous episodes there is a precedent so for example i had a whole thing where i was trying to spin the idea of how to get daniel to have a girlfriend that stays from either film one or film two i found this whole thing sort of (laughs) spiraling and wasn't doing anything i thought an 80s film wouldn't give a shit and i thought what does the story need to tell from an 80s perspective this it's like oh okay who's the target demographic these kids it's like very makes sense so i've made this just a very, very 80s film from top to bottom, basically. It is as blunt and surface and face value as it can get. There's almost no subtlety. With a kick-ass soundtrack. Damn right. And uh, Bill Conti's <laughs> stuff is really good. The, so the score's good. The soundtrack's good. It's great. I think we should cool. dive, dive straight into it, though. So, The Karate Kid Part 3. Karate with a Vengeance. Daniel LaRusso returns home from Japan to learn his under-18 All-Valleys Championship title has been taken from him. And he is being summoned Ooh. to a hearing. So he's like, I had a great time in Okinawa, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, what the fuck is happening? Because he's literally in the first <laughs> film, stuff <laughs> happens. He then is immediately in Japan and then immediately back again. It's all literally within like a week in a weird way. Um, at least to, to start with. This is how I'm playing the film in the intro. Because, you know, 
Macho doesn't fucking age. You're doing a classic recap of the first thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, we don't we don't show it. We're just going straight I, into the I'm, movie. I'm teasing. I know. I'm teasing. Yeah. So he's he's invi- invited. He's summoned to a hearing. At the meeting, Daniel learns that in his absence, Crease had started a campaign and pushed the judges to override their previous decision, acknowledging the fact that face contact is forbidden and he never should have won. So, you and I discussed this a little while ago, Matthew. Yes. And I did some research. Technically, face contact is allowed. However, because it's an under 18s Mm -hmm. regulation tournament, it has slightly different rules. That's the thing, yeah. Because they mentioned two points for the head, one point for the torso in Mm. the tournament. However, it can be touch contact only. You cannot flying kick a motherfucker in in the the face face and basically (laughs) knock him out. Yeah. It can be like, it, it's the classic fencing thing of like, I could have killed you, but I haven't yes, have yes. a point. Like, it's the touch contact thing rather yeah. than kicking a motherfucker in the face and mm. knocking him yeah. out. It's the classic, ah, that's the killing blow. I would have got you there. That would have been the end of it. But he literally just kicks him straight in the face. That's remarkably yeah. yes. dangerous at any point. So, yeah, that, yeah. that would always be, yeah. all be, all be covered, basically. Yeah, cool. The direct result of the inquiry has led to both Daniel and Johnny Lawrence being banned from the under-18 tournament. Which is nonsense, because they're both over Cree- 18 now. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, they're both like 35. Yes! <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Miyagi asks if Kreese is now satisfied, but the Cobra Kai sensei taunts both teams and retorts they all train up a new protege who isn't weak. Johnny and Daniel share an uneasy look, silently putting their past behind them. Jumping ahead two years, Daniel is now 20 and attending a local community college, studying law. Ralph Macchio refuses to age, even (laughs) though he's already 27. By day, he studies, and after school, he works part-time in Miyagi's rather successful bonsai shop. Hey! Uh, In his limited spare time, Daniel quiets his mind by folding origami cranes to decorate the shop. He climbs down a cliff to retrieve it. (laughs) Is stranded. The following day at college, a fire breaks out, but one of the teachers, Miss Nakamura, manages to report it before it gets too out of hand. While the blaze is fairly small, a few students are trapped, and both Johnny and Daniel rush into the building to save them. Nakamura commends them on their bravery, saying they must be good friends. And Daniel smirks and says, you know, something like that, before helping Johnny to his feet, and the two bow to one another. Nakamura is surprised at the cultural gesture, and they recount their passion for karate and that Daniel visited Japan a couple of years ago. She's like, all right, white so boys, come What the fuck is this? Sucking weeps. It's like, what are you bowing at each other for? Is it because is it, is it I'm here? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. With the fire safely contained by the fire department, Nakamura invites the students to lunch. During the meal, Nakamura explains that she used to run in a gang when she was young, but a solid education turned her around. She thought it was only right to pay that forward, and coming to America allowed her to have a fresh start. Johnny and Daniel envy her drive and admit that they aren't kids anymore and need to figure out what to do with themselves. No shit. Get your, get your life sorted out, kids. Jesus. Daniel explains his dream of becoming a lawyer, but Johnny admits he's restless, filled with energy and rage, but no way to channel it. Must be a lawyer like his cousin Vinny. <laughs> and his cousin Snake. Snake! After the dinner, Daniel enthusiastically says Nakamura should meet Miyagi. I bet you twos would have a load in common. Just racist. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Visiting the bonsai shop, Nakamura is introduced to Miyagi and Daniel explains about the fire. At that point, Johnny sheepishly comes into the shop. Miyagi looks to Daniel, who gives an approving nod, and Miyagi welcomes the young man in. 
reconciliation. Mm. Over tea, Nakamura states that she believes the fire was down to arson, and it isn't the first time something like this has happened, but the cops don't care about a small-time underfunded community college in the 80s. It's up to the kids to do something. Anyway, frustrated <laughs> that just when things are starting to look up, problems arise, Johnny gets riled. He's been here before. Miyagi manages to calm Johnny and tells him he will return every evening to train. Johnny asks in karate, but Miyagi clarifies in focus. That's a very Miyagi line. Yep. I like mm. it. At college, Daniel investigates the arson but doesn't get very far as few kids know about it. That evening, Johnny arrives at Miyagi's shop and shows him a move he's been working on. Miyagi asks where he learned such a technique and Johnny lowers his head and mutters, Grease. Miyagi says it's a killing blow and would take a man's life. Imagine like the Kill Bill like heart punch technique yeah. or whatever. Five point. <laughs> Some bollocks that doesn't actually yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He adds, it's okay to lose to an opponent. It's not okay to lose your honor. Ashamed, Johnny admits he is afraid of Kreese and that the lessons he's instilled in him will shape the man he will become. Miyagi says he can overcome this and shows him a single sheet of paper. He states that the paper can be many things and then folds it into a crane. If pressure applied correctly, Johnny bows and begins to fold the paper. Later in the week, Daniel finds a kid attempting to burn a book in the library. He apprehends him, and he and Nakamura interrogate the culprit. Surprisingly, the student is actually quite meek and frightened. He explains that a local gang leader wants the school gone because it's a positive effect on the community, and it's hindering his new recruitment of troubled teens. <laughs> Seeing the kid is clearly being taken advantage of, Nakamura decides not to report him and lets him go with a warning. Real, um, real Foot Clan vibes. Oh, yeah. Mm, Everything yeah. in the 80s was always like, the kids, they gotta go to school. Youths. <clears throat> and, and who's threatening the school? It's these gangs. As I say, it's, it's very by the numbers. So, back at the bonsai shop, Johnny says he wants to join the adult All Valley Karate Championship to redeem himself. He's not bad from that one. As, as Daniel is a former champion, albeit one stripped of his title, he is allowed to enroll without issue. But Miyagi says he shouldn't if he wants to focus on being a lawyer. Daniel agrees and says he'll just attend as a spectator solely to support Johnny. Interesting. The Interesting. karate lawyer. <laughs> I'd watch that. Like, like procedural <laughs> yeah. TV show. And then he fights sure. crime at night with cry. Isn't, isn't that Daredevil? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> what do you like fucking did this? <laughs> Brilliant. Johnny Lawrence. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the bit where Ralph Macchio gets blinded. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. <laughs> At the tournament sign up, Ralph Macchio is covered in ooze and goes blind for some reason. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. It's not just ooze, it's fucking radioactive waste. Come on. Uh, from Terry. They're, they're, yeah, it's the radioactive waste from Terry Silver. Exactly. Sorry. At the tournament sign up, Johnny is shoulder barged by a fellow entrant named Mike. Oh, what a bad boy. Labelled as karate's bad boy. <laughs> I'm keeping it, Matt. I don't care. Please, please. Johnny's hot-headed nature compels him to fight, but both Daniel and Miyagi manage to calm him. The moment of serenity is broken as Mike's trainer is revealed to be none other than the perm-wielding motherfucker himself, <laughs> John Kreese. He walks over with his arms forward like, ah, uh, as opposed to, ah, from a fucking cardboard cutout <laughs> of himself. <laughs> he jumps from behind a cardboard cutout of himself for some reason. It's like, has this always been here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Kreese mocks Johnny for attempting to enter and says if he wouldn't even rise to the challenge of a small nudge, he won't survive. Enraged, Daniel puts his name down on the sheet and says, we'll see about that. As they leave, Daniel notices Kreese and Mike talking with a very tall, broad, blonde gentleman who stares menacingly at the pair. No clues as to who's playing that very tall, broad, broad, blonde gentleman from the cast we listed earlier. It's Ralph Macchio. Um, so, so I mean earlier about Matt Shepard being quite stupid. Oh yeah, we'll see about this. Like, what do you, what do you, what, we just agreed you weren't going to do this. Yeah. You fucking idiot. Yeah. Daniel's not an intelligent character necessarily. Nah. He's no. all about heart and all that kind of stuff. He's not yeah. a... He feels he doesn't think. Yeah. The tournament begins and Nakamura is in attendance to support her new friends. Daniel and Johnny perform admirably and joke about potentially meeting each other in the final, but it would be a rematch for the ages and they would have a chance to do it right. In the early rounds, Kreese pr- in the early rounds, Kreese pushes his protege too hard and before his bout gives him an unusual massage that leaves him off kilter. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Hello. Can't all have just horny Tim. Horny <laughs> Matt. Inappropriate Matt. Mike's opponent performs a fairly standard throw, but as Mike lands, he finds he can't get up. The judge calls a halt to the match, and an air of concern fills the hall. The medic makes a slicing motion at his neck, and the tournament is temporarily halted. That's what you want a doctor to do in a sports competition. Again, he's like, he's going to die! For example, in wrestling, it's like an X sign. They hold up their hands in an X like that, which is now used in Mm. in other uh, sports and stuff, like grappling and stuff like Mm. that, when Mm. arm and leg Mm. breaks happen as well. Someone gave this young man a hand job too hard. <laughs> An unusual he massage. onto his boner and he can't get up. I don't know if it was. <laughs> it's just snapped in half, boys. We're in trouble. Oh, I don't know if I made it clear. I made it clear. The, the medic slices across the neck of the kid. It's like Mike. No. <laughs> With a... Put him out yeah. of his misery. <laughs> it's like horse race. Just his cock's broken. Put him out of his misery. In a back room, Daniel and Johnny rushed in to find Mike laying flat on a table, staring at the ceiling. The medic walks away and says they need to call an ambulance. He advises the kids, go easy on him. Approaching the medic, prost- call an ambulance, lazy fucking medic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It's, it's kids dangerous. in the 80s, they solve all the problems. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> Approaching the prostrate figure, tears run down Mike's face. The bad boy is now the sad boy of karate. <laughs> <laughs> the sad boy of karate. <laughs> oh my god. Oh dear. <laughs> Why it tickled me so much? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm gonna do this. He quietly admits he didn't want anything to do with karate, but was forced into it by Bruno. Johnny asks, "Who the hell is Bruno?" And Mike describes a tall blonde man from earlier. Nakamura enters the room as Mike admits he feels used and just wanted to belong somewhere. Daniel and Johnny don't know what to do, but Nakamura says they should continue to compete. She will deal with this. Ooh, Bruno. She is quite short. (laughs) He is huge. He is gigantic. Returning to the main hall, there is announcement that as Mike must forfeit, John Kreese can take advantage of a bylaw and take the spot as Mike's replacement. Sneaky motherfucker. Johnny sees a smirk crawl across Kreese's face and he charges at him, accusing him of knowing this would happen and using that kid as he used Johnny. Kreese calmly responds, It's not my fault everyone's so weak. Kreese looks towards the board, which illustrates that his next fight will be against Johnny, and then gives a nod to Bruno, who is in the crowd and scouting for new gang members. 
Daniel signals to Nakamura. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait a minute. Are you saying these gangs are somehow connected to this karate tournament, Matthew? <laughs> Al, how dare you infer such corruption in a 1980s film? <laughs> Daniel signals to Nakamura, and she tails Bruno as he takes a group of rambunctious teens to one side. Excellent use. I think it might be the first use of rambunctious we've rambunctious. had on a, on a pitch. Yeah. I'm I'm picturing them all sat around a boombox. It, it's well, it's the Foot Clan. It's a hundred percent Sam Rockwell and his mates hanging out in a fucking vein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd be they'd be smoking cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of forty. What do you want, old man? That, that that will be edited out when this film shows up on Disney Plus. Exactly. Yeah. It's not it's not the nineties. They're not teens with attitude who are painting a fence for the local community center. They're under the bleachers smoking cigarettes, saying, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah. Okay. The match between Kreese and Johnny starts, and while he uses the moves shown to him by Miyagi, Johnny's temper gets the better of him, and he starts to lash out, costing him points. The match is brutal, but Johnny's superior technique gives him the advantage, and he takes Kreese down and prepares to end the match. Overcome with emotion, Johnny slowly manoeuvres himself to strike the killing blow he demonstrated earlier. It's five-point exploding palm <laughs> technique. Yep. Daniel shouts, What are you doing, man? But Miyagi quietly says he is overcome with revenge. Seeing red, Johnny raises his palm, but he is his name called out from the sidelines. Seeing Miyagi and LaRusso, he realizes what he is doing and slowly calms himself, envisioning the folding of a washi paper envisioning the folding of the washi paper into a crane. Seizing the opportunity, Kreese performs an underhand move and beats Johnny, breaking his rib in the process. As the referee didn't see this. He awards the victory to Kreese, who progresses to the final. In an adjoining room, Bruno is pressuring the wayward teens to join his gang, to become a part of something. And finally, they will beat those turtles. <laughs> beat those turtles. Turtles. Yeah. To become a part of something and make some real money. Nakamura steps into the room and tells the kids to beat it. Bruno laughs and says the little lady should sh get out of here before she finds herself in real trouble. Nakamura says she ran her own gang and Bruno wouldn't even make the cut. Bruno says he does more than just run some gang. He's positioned himself to run various illegal activities and financing Kreese's dojo will allow him to effectively train an underground army. Of foot soldiers. Sure. <laughs> Nakamura I them says all with the red headbands and the silly fucking bug eyes and stuff and like... That oh yeah, brilliant. entirely. Yeah, get all these bells off this thing with a smoke bomb. Um, <laughs> Nakamura says that she won't allow that, and the two fight ferociously. This goes on for a while. It's good. I'm not going to give you any details. It's just like lots of cool, places. cool fight ensues. The yeah, classic it's a big pitch. brawling boxing sort of dude versus just this amazing acrobatic uh, martial artist. Nakamura lands the final blow, knocking Bruno out before notifying the officials to call the police. Nice. I like it. Before the final match can begin, there is a brief interruption as the police arrive to arrest Bruno. Nakamura joins Miyagi's team, where Johnny is having his wound addressed. Kreese flies into a rage and screams. Nakamura, Johnny and Miyagi say there is no problem with withdrawing, that Daniel shouldn't have to fight Kreese. The idea that one of them says it and they go, the other go, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what you mean. Daniel explains that he feels if he doesn't, he'll be haunted and pursued by this man forever. The final match starts, and Kreese is furious that once again Daniel's interference has cost him everything. His attacks are borderline illegal, and the thrashing he gives the young man is hard to watch. 
Chris venomously spits that he won't be stopped by a bunch of karate kids. <laughs> he said the thing. So. People, people watching 20 years later drink <laughs> and lands a decisive blow. Despite this, Daniel remains calm and squares up for the final showdown. Looking toward Miyagi, Daniel what looking toward Miyagi, Daniel watches as his sensei fuck me. <laughs> Alright, Tim. <laughs> looking towards Miyagi, Daniel watches as his sensei holds up a small origami crane, and we see a brief flashback where Miyagi echoes the words he said to Johnny that paper can be many things if pressure is applied correctly. It's because he's teaching that to everybody, just so we all know here. Yeah, yeah. I gather that. Yeah. Turning his fists into open palms, Daniel stands and waits. Chris charges at him, but Daniel deflects. Each move, Daniel uses his fingers to effortlessly push his opponent aside, almost as if folding Crease in on himself. Crease is a pun, I've just realised. Fuck. Well, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't name the character. He's creasing the paper, if you will. <laughs> Finally, Crease reaches out to perform the nerve attack he used on Mike. The unusual massage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid, That's definitely sir, an illegal move. Unusual massages are not allowed in certified karate tournaments. It's over 18, it's fine! But once again, Daniel deflects and throws the towering adult to the floor before chopping him and ending the tournament. You're the best around! No, or a better song. A better song would be any other song, song would be fine. We'll write, we'll write a better eight ballad, it's fine. It'd be uh, Fine yeah. Young Cannibals. Johnny, we're sorry. <laughs> Won't you come on we'll home? We'll bring back Cruel Summer by Bananarama because that, that's there so slaps. Nailed it. Speaking of which, the score swells as the crowd erupt in triumph and Daniel celebrates with his friends. Epic 80s music happens. Classically. Kree stumbles to his feet to attack Daniel, but before he can, the police arrive and place him in cuffs. They explain that Bruno has already implicated him in his criminal activities and he'll be spending a long time in prison. Could have arrested him at the same time, but nope, that's not how the 80s works. You think that's at the end of the movie. You wait, that's you how wait these movies the always other, end. You wait for the other stuff to end, and then you arrest the other guy. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, by the way, the film isn't over. There's a little extra stuff here that people are going to be It's a not bit a angry frame of celebration and stuff. What? Nope. This oh, is Nick, Nick Fury shows up to ask Mr. Miyagi to be in the Avengers. <laughs> Miyagi says, all right. Um, this <laughs> is going to be a little possibly controversial for certain people. Because what I'm doing is killing Cobra Kai. Oh, interesting. The Cobra Kai can't exist in this universe. Continue! As he collects his trophy, Daniel is approached by a talent scout who offers him a contract to go professional. Johnny is thrilled for Daniel, but Miyagi takes Daniel to one side and asks if he wants a life outside of karate. Reiterating his words from the first film, Miyagi reminds Daniel that karate is here and here, heart and head, but never here, pointing towards his belt where one would receive an illegal massage. <laughs> Daniel returns to the scout and says this is a one-off return, but if he comes back next year, he's sure Johnny will be the man thereafter. The scout accepts this and leaves the group to their celebrating. 80s, no one would ever do that. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, we haven't really touched upon, Johnny is clearly the better fighter in the first film mm -hmm. as well. He, yes. he is yep. straight up better than Daniel. If it wasn't for that bullshit flying kick move that is illegal. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, even without all the extra bullshit, is still a much better karate guy than Daniel. Johnny is the it, karate kid. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because I, I re-watched a chunk of Scott Pilgrim recently, um, but every time like they did an illegal move or someone like hit a girl in, in watching these three films, mm. I kept seeing the little... 
thing uh, when he's fighting Gideon Graves and Gideon like hits knives and it flashes up, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like bad or yes. something. I yeah. don't remember quite what it is. Highlights out of our hair. Um, but yeah, when I was watching these films, I kept seeing that as like bad moves, nice. <laughs> illegal. Anyway, the celebrations fade to black before a title card reads. Ten years later, Cobra Kai season one. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know what the theme tune is. That's the theme song. Now. <laughs> a car pulls up outside a fancy-looking arena. A man, played by Andy Garcia. Hey, Andy Garcia. Ooh, nice. that's pretty good casting. Steps out, and uh, it's Miyagi. Steps. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad casting. <laughs> it's it's Miss Nakamura. <laughs> Andy Garcia in like inappropriate. Racial bending and also drag <laughs> for some reason. Sure, it's the eighties. A man played actually that it's unfortunately no, it's the nineties. Thank you. Oh. It just flashed ten years later. Oh well, well in terms of that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's sorry. He's on his his future car. <laughs> no, a man played by Andy Garcia steps out and enters the building. The walls are covered with trophies, placards, and ribbons from various tournaments. Kicking off his shoes, the man crosses the empty dojo towards an office at the back marked Sensei. The office is empty, but he walks over to the desk and picks up a framed photo of Daniel, Johnny, and Mr. Miyagi. A voice calls out from the doorway. And what do you think you're doing in my office, LaRusso? Daniel looks up and sees an older Johnny played by Patrick motherfucking Swayze. Good lord, Matthew. Big ass cameos at the end of this. Good lord. <laughs> nice. I mean, great casting. Absolutely. Yeah. Daniel responds, long day in court but I thought I'd drop by and make sure your books are good. Lawrence smirks and points him toward a filing cabinet. No matter how big we become, looks like I'm always in your debt. Lawrence sees LaRusso looking at the photo before quietly saying, I miss him too. Daniel takes the file and heads back to the door. Before he does, Johnny says he was about to lock up, but he could go a few rounds before then. Daniel stops and smiles before turning back and saying, a rematch for the ages? Oh, fucking hell, Matt. The camera pulls back from Johnny to reveal the arena is named Miyagi-Do, as he says, a chance to do it right. Daniel takes off his jacket and places the file down before both men bow to one another, then leap forward. The shot ends on a freeze frame and fades to black as the story concludes. Oh, cool. 80s. That is very 80s. I really liked this. I really liked this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, too. Me, too. Me, too. I must yeah, admit, when I wrote this, I thought to myself, I'm going to finish this all off. I'm, I, I, two is almost going to be exactly the same as ignored, but I've got things I need to finish off, things I can't make work. This will be fun. I'll do this. And as I finished it, I thought, huh, this, I think, might be one of my favorites of the season. But yeah, as of my own pictures and things like that. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, like yeah. I, I think bringing, bringing Johnny back in and having a reconciliation between him and Daniel mm. and having them go forward together is the, absolutely the right move. Um, obviously, yeah, it screws up Cobra Kai, but you know, none of us have watched that, so who cares? I think Cobra um, Kai is basically what this film is trying to do, but earlier. <laughs> yes, sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like this. I, I think the, 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 the calling out the the uh, illegal kick from the beginning <laughs> is is smart, um, and it's a way to kind of push us forward into the future, um. I think Crease, yeah, bringing Crease back and showing how he's kind of consumed by his anger all makes sense. At the end of the day, John Crease is the bad guy. Yeah. As much yeah. as I said earlier that Johnny Lawrence is like the archetypal 
high school bully of the 80s. Yeah, he's mm. a henchman, but he's not the, the, to blame for it. Mm. Yeah, he's as you said, he's a product of a terrible fucking yeah. relationship with essentially, a you know, his father figure character. And John Kreese is a piece of shit. So it totally makes sense to bring Kreese back in that more mm. direct antagonistic role. Actually have him fight, which I thought was really cool as well. Mm. And the point is, is that at the end of the first film, Daniel moves beyond Johnny in those terms like he defeats him yeah. and he makes him a friend like he is he has beaten the high school bully now he has to deal with the like stuff in japan asshole in real reason. life <laughs> yeah <laughs> stuff in japan and then real life well, two, like, two starts with crease smashing windows and yes and like you know it's and, and he literally maggie's over and makes him like leave leave johnny alone it's mm. like what mm, the fuck yeah. are you doing you know you're you're a man beating up a boy and that's why in this one it's like now he's a terrifying man beating up what society thinks is another man it's like yeah, That's just as scary. And it, it, I didn't want it to be a cartoon cardboard cutout villain, as in he jumps out from his own cardboard cutout. Mm. He, when he meets up with the guys, he's still sneering. It's only at the end when he realizes he's been caught and that he becomes like this screaming mm. madman kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Only then does the mask sort of slip. Yeah. I think the only change I would make mm. is to integrate the gang stuff a little bit earlier sure. and maybe a little bit differently and kind of maybe show like in the two years in the time jump that we kind of have. Oh, how the neighborhood's like, different kind of thing. Then yeah, the neighborhood's kind of yeah, run down yeah, yeah. and like that's a that's a problem and, and make it more of a thing of and then and then you also then get with the time jump yeah, forward yeah. at the very end you show like, ah oh, no, but now the good people are in charge yeah, and they've yeah. revitalized the, the, the neighborhood and they Yeah. This, I think that's easy because so you go know, like why did why did you know LaRusso change school and start going to a small community college to study law? It's like because mm. things are bad. Like that that's yeah. quite easy to do. I think that that's but that's yeah, yeah that's a very sure. small subplot thing. I think this is a really really solid pitch. I think it does it's so much better than <laughs> yeah. Karate Kid Three. Um, I I really liked nice. it. I, weirdly enough, it's it wasn't my initial idea. I don't remember when the initial stems of the idea might be. Again, trying to tie into the, the whole make one, two, and three work, and it's like that's why I said. Just abandon it. Go 80s. Go full fucking 80s. Just have like, we've got to save these kids. The school's being run again. All that kind of usual bullshit tells, as we said, and things. Um, but trying to make them all work didn't make sense because one and two don't really believe into each other. It's like, it mm. makes sense because you're like, oh, it's now Miyagi's story. He's the side character mm. becomes more of, and let's say, a fan favorite. But when then he has to, either, he, either uh, Danny, Daniel has to stay in Japan. And the story continues mm. there, or he goes back to America. And if he goes back to America, as mm. we've established, Crease is still there. His schools, everything's still mm, yeah. there. He has his own brother problem. Because little time passes between those two. Yes. Like, the matter of weeks, basically. From, Literally. Yeah. Mm. The ending of one to the ending of two, basically. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a little bit of a lack of Miyagi stuff in this one. Mm. Like, that especially when we've made him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's such, made him such a major character. Mm. Because it really is Miyagi's story into, and in yeah. in a way, it's Miyagi's story. You know, he does the whole like Daniel raises Miyagi's hand at the end of three and all that kind of stuff. It feels like mm. Miyagi has gone on a journey as well, rather than being the kind of, you know, Daniel's kind of already done his hero's journey. It's time for Miyagi to have some growth as well. We mm. don't get that in this one, but I think that is replaced by the growth with Johnny and developing yeah. Johnny into a character and bringing him back and having. Him dealing with Crease and dealing with his rage and dealing with all of those issues, I would like a bit more Miyagi, but I totally see, especially, I know we always say this, especially in the format of the pitch and us yeah, reading course, out course, and it course. not being, mm. you know, a beat for beat actual movie script that, mm. <laughs> that is totally written out mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. 
Mm. I think that yeah, that that's... makes sense. And having a bit more sort of Johnny and Miyagi training moments and 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 a few extra bits sprinkled mm. in there would would satiate the Pat Morita diehard fans, you know. Definitely, and I think that's yeah, not I... unreasonable to suggest, and not unreasonable to do either, because you're right. We we basically effectively separate Larusso and Miyagi for a lot of the movie because mm. he goes off and does his other stuff. And again, part of that was me to say like they're friends now. They're not. He's not mm. his mentor and his teacher. It's still obviously teaching things every day, and he's you know he's like I am Miss Miyagi. He's go down there to, to learn stuff, and but it's now I want to just establish a bit more that this isn't a child anymore. These are these are young men, and that they mm. are shaped. Like I said shaping the future. What what are we gonna do with ourselves? What what is next for us? It's like well, you can still hang out with me at the bonsai shop. We're still friends, but at the same time. It's not the same relationship that has to change as you grow up, and that's the, I think what we're trying to get towards with with to, if you're talking to an audience in in a young audience in the '80s, say for argument's sake, or anyone mm. you know, whatever they encounter in the '90s or now, you've got this is Miyagi. He's a strange old man who lives nearby. Then it's like this is the real Miyagi. This is the man you thought you knew was this perfect, amazing, composed sensei. Actually, he's running away from a lot of problems. He's you know stuff, and because you have so much development there, it's like I feel like anything I can do here might take that bit i'm just gonna give him like a happy ending basically but that he's still mm. teaching people yeah yeah but as we say with the format pitch you'd still need a lot of daniel and miyagi back and forth sort of stuff more montaging things i mentioned about how the the, the crane thing isn't just taught to just johnny that's also something that that he taught daniel as well and it, it, we just develop that a bit more i think that's perfectly yeah. fine but there's, there's time for that stuff yeah i think there's room in there for like more scenes of of Johnny and Miyagi training. There's more scenes for all three of them, like training together, yeah, just doing yeah. like carters and stuff. Definitely. And I think, like, like I said, if you increase the gang stuff, I think you can get to play up, like, almost like Daniel's little like investigation kind of stuff. Sure. Like, you know, obviously lawyer and and detective aren't exactly the same thing, but 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 kind of hint towards oh, his you know, his interest in. Weirdly enough, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how it works in Japan. Uh, yeah. Prosecutors um actually are the ones who investigate crime scenes rather than the police. <laughs> Ah, well, as much as detectives do, it's very weird. Yeah, but yes, yes. So. Um, but yeah, have have him involved in that and and give him that that part of his life that is taking him away from Miyagi, but is but but not in a way that it's like forcing him to choose between the two. Yeah. It's just like, oh no, I've got this other stuff going on, and I'm still here in the community, and you're part of that, and you know, I want to make sure you know your shop thrives, and you know, yeah, yeah I think. I think there's there's a few minor tweaks, but but overall it's it's a really really solid pitch. Weirdly enough, I did actually have another whole thing, but it literally added another two or three hundred words to the to the count to mm. start with, which was the one point Maggie's shop gets gets raided because gang stuff, and not just because he was mm. being targeted because it's him, but just because he yeah, happened to be a successful general business. Yeah, general crime. Yeah. And I thought this is too much, too long, that kind of thing. So I'd have sort of cut it back to make it, you know, a bit more palatable mm. to be listened. But yeah, that I have no problem with that I, natural I genre. actually quite like that idea and you could tie that into the Miyagi is always able to beat up all the kids. Like he beats like 15 kids at once in a single sure. fight kind of thing. <laughs> but he's a bit older now. He's wearing a bit down. He's not been as actively That's, training with Daniel yep, anymore. Yep. And he thinks like, yeah, I can handle myself. No worries. And then that it's gang bit, bit ties into it. And again, that feels like a very... Would they pick on Miyagi specifically? Blah blah blah. It's the eighties. Everything ties in. Everything's a nice, neat little <laughs> yeah, package. Yeah, it's all yeah. related to each other. Mm. So I think actually adding that bit in, and like we said, the restraints of word count and stuff for our pitches and time yeah, on the course. podcast and all that kind of stuff is a mm. problem. But when we were saying earlier, like a bit more Miyagi would be nice. Having that scene in there and have him being more 
personally yeah. invested in the gang side of things. Well, maybe he's looking mm. into it with Daniel from a like, like you said, from a more detective mm. side of things. And they learn about Bruno before they actually see him at the yeah, tournament and stuff. And you kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, foreshadow like Bruno's appearance mm. a bit more. So then Miyagi is like, we've heard of this giant man who was in this thing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it could be yeah. him. And you're like, oh yeah, shit, that could be yeah. him. He is a giant German man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do. I genuinely love that because I also what you have then is, you know, a really very, and again, I keep saying 80s, but it's the quintessential period of time, very cliche trope thing to do. We'd have the reaction of a shop and, you know, Miyagi would be like bleeding forehead kind of thing. Like, what happened? And you have two reactions. Daniel, who's now much calmer, it mostly at least, thinking, no, 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 I, need, I have skills I can put to use here. I can actually figure this out. And Johnny's like, bugger that we're gonna beat everyone up we're gonna go kick their <laughs> ass and then you know it's the whole like kids i'm okay everything this is a shop it can be rebuilt i don't want anything happening to you there's so much stuff mm. you can do there and I, th I think you're right that's tie it into the arson of the school as well yeah, and yeah. have some sort of mm. like commonality some linking thing yeah, that they definitely that nakamura or daniel or whoever it is like clues in on i think that would work really nicely mm. as well mm. bring it into a bit of a bigger picture thing and sure. show that it's happening around the city and miyagi is you know, not the man he used to be, but no. he's still he, He's not to... targeted because of who he is. He's targeted because he happens to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we think there should be more about the origin of the unusual massage? <laughs> <laughs> the secret technique. No. I, I you think get, it's enough? I get what okay, you were going fine, for fine, there. Fine. <laughs> no, I, um, no pinch bullshit. Like, it is basically yeah. just that. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, my, like, I like that there isn't an unnecessary fucking um, love story in there. Again, I was um, thinking about it, and he's like, Bond gets a new girl every time. The idea, yeah. like, or do we try and bring one back from either one or two? And it's like, no, have him just focus on school. You you can't bring back Ali with Johnny being such a big part of this story, because yep. that would seem well, unless you make it a very fucking weird. big thing, and you can, but that would have to be really, really... That would be a quite big a thing. thing yeah. yeah, quite a big central part of that story, and that would take time away from all the other stuff we've literally just talked about. So then exactly. I totally agree with you, Tim. I think it's the right decision. I think it's weird that he just keeps getting girls and then he sees them for two weeks and then they disappear. <laughs> Granted, he's a teenager. That does happen yeah, when you're a yeah. teenager. Sure. But, I re but I've, it's I've not elegant hated... storytelling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always hated the, oh, they broke up off screen thing. Like, you couldn't get the actor back, could you? That, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. It was a budget thing. It was a time constraint thing. It was a scheduling thing, whatever it was. Mm. Like, oh yeah, here's his new basically identical partner or here's her new husband that basically mm. looks mm. the same and she got divorced and remarried between seasons. You're like, hold on a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. I think just not having that and having the focus on those characters makes a lot of sense and focusing on mm. Miyagi creases the bad guy, Johnny's development, I think totally makes a lot of sense. Nice. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very tight, elegant Pitch, you have Thanks, quite... boys. Don't be quoting no gold member at me, you piece you've, of shit. You've earned yourself uh, a illegal massage. <laughs> nice. I think I say asleep because I could do with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. Thanks, guys. Well done, Matt. Enjoyed that a lot. I mean, again, I'm I'm enthused to go and watch some Cobra Kai now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm very intrigued I'm as to how people it. who have watched Cobra Kai yeah, receive I'm this sure as well. Plenty yeah. of listeners will, will have. And I, like I, you said, Matt, I know there are diehard fans that will be like, <gasps> you ruined Cobra Kai. We're not going to get the next generation of karate kids, you bastard. There's so yeah. much development that could happen. You robbed us. And it's like, yeah, that's fair. 
But also, is karate, is Cobra Kai not just fixing the problem of Karate Kid 3? Yeah, Cobra Kai <laughs> is sequelizing. Like, if we were doing yeah, that yeah. thing of like, what do you do for the next Karate Kid? It's like, oh, you just flash forward 30 years later and there you go. Like, yeah, this <laughs> was an option for me. It was to say, yeah, Karate Kid 1, was. 2, yeah. and then I make a fucking Cobra Kai in the yeah. 2010s. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, but rewrite like basically season one or season two or whatever it is, condense <laughs> it into a film and be like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not doing Karate Kid Part Three. We're actually fixing the next Karate Kid. So you have the Larusso Johnny thing happen, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, it's in 2020, 2020 or 2015 or 2010 or whatever it is. Like, you yeah. flash forward to this millennia, and you're like, there you go. Ralph Macchio is old. I told you, <laughs> he's actually as old as he looks. He is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still looks forty. He doesn't look very old. He's weird. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's listeners, got that, got that if you're diehard Karate Kid fans, if you're diehard Cobra Kai fans, let us know. You can hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Come and join us in the Discord. There's always plenty of discussion going on. There's discussion after it goes up for patrons, and then a couple of days later when it goes up for everyone else on all the podcast platforms, there's a second discussion, and it's basically a nice little sort of post-show discussion with us answering questions, hopping in there, chatting with you guys. Uh, you can find the links to the Discord at the pinned tweet on our Twitter, or you can go to sequelizers.com to find the link to all the podcast services, the shop, the Discord, the Patreon, everything in a nice little hub on our lovely little website. If you want to talk about Cobra Kai with me, since I'm probably going to watch it soon, you can hit me up. I am JLW <laughs> Chambers on all the social medias. Matt, how are you? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk and see the things that I review. You can go to cheeseman.com and see the things that I make. Tim, if people want to know your secret leg-sweeping techniques, where can they find you? His secret crippling massage technique. <laughs> No, those, those you have to go to OnlyFans for. Oh, uh, but for my leg sweeps, you can find me on Twitter, trivia underscore lad, uh, where I share all of my thoughts, uh, as well as any writing that I've done or guest appearances on other podcasts, which I have had recently. Um, so you can go there to find those. And uh, don't ask me about Cobra Kai. I've got so much goddamn content to watch. Same. <laughs> I'm very interested, but fuck me. There's 30 I'm episodes sure it's of that great. shit. Yeah, so far just, there's only so many hours in the day, and I'd like to spend most of them sleeping. So you know, yeah, I feel one with anime. I'm, I'm good. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, and I know I say this every week, but this season with something very, very different. We've been bounced. Actually, no, there's 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 some there's one direct link this here. There's this there's something Italian American. It's, it's <laughs> kind of like I say casting, not the cast we've chosen, but the nature of casting. I think that's that's good enough as a little that's, tickle. Yeah, of, that's that's the connection. Tickle on the water. Italian frowning, but we'll tell them when the thing stops. <laughs> yeah. Let's stop. Bye. Bye.